millions of people every day are reaping the health benefits of using cannabis oil, also known as CBD. This new product derived from hemp has fascinated doctors and scientists around the world for its powerful effects on the human body. If you are in need of alternative methods for health empowerment, please visit www.naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. CBD is now legal in over 40 states, and our products are non-psychoactive and contain less than 0.3% THC levels. We also offer products for household pets. Naturalhempoil.com does not claim to treat cancer, PTSD, epilepsy, anxiety, insomnia, joint pain, eczema, or any chronic condition that you may have been diagnosed with. Please consult with a doctor before you take CBD. Results may vary, so give our natural CBD a try at www.naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. Visit naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. Talk to enough people, and you'll soon realize nearly everyone's shocked at their recent electricity bills. Some studies reveal energy costs have skyrocketed by as high as 60% in as little as two years. That's why tens of thousands are installing this magical little device from SavePowerBills.com to help slash their energy bills. This sophisticated gadget stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your appliances and electronics. Simply plug it into your home wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this device is one of the most efficient ways to save money while beating the greedy power companies. But there's more. If you order now, you'll also receive 65% off, fast shipping within the USA, hassle-free returns, and last but not least, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee. Just go to SavePowerBills.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's SavePowerBills.com. Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Just recently, a politician was carjacked by three armed attackers outside his home in Washington, D.C. This comes several months after another politician was assaulted in the elevator of her building. Between mass shootings, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjackings, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare Flashlight. The Fighter Flare Flashlight has awed people with a wonderful design and massive light output. On top of an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, it boasts powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope cutter, siren, and much more. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this flashlight is the latest and greatest in the EDC market. But there's more. If you place your order for the Fighter Flare flashlight now, you'll also receive 66% off, free express shipping, and last but not least, a 100% lifetime guaranteed replacement. Simply go to www.fighterflare.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. www.fighterflare.com. Order now. Something wicked is coming this way, and only fools are ignoring the signs. So it's time you became a financial prepper like thousands of others. Gold can travel anywhere. It's international. It's its own currency. Allocate to gold now, the timeless safe haven asset. Open an IRA with noble gold investments to physically hold coins and bars and let real, tangible gold, not just paper, save your portfolio as the economy burns again. Right now, Noble Gold Investments offers a free 3-ounce silver American virtue coin with every qualified IRA. Just use the promo code GOLD to claim your free coin and secure your family's financial future. 
future. Go to noblegoldinvestments.com. Now, noblegoldinvestments.com. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Investing in precious metals, including gold, involves risks. Consult with your tax attorney or financial professional before making an investment decision. I feel like it's really out of tune. Can you guys hear that at all? <laughs> Behizzy says boo, but he won't join the chat. Shut up, Nick. You're a clown. Yeah. Okay. I know you guys can't hear that very good. Let me let me turn on the uh, turn on the amp a little bit. Yeah, it's way out of tune, but you know that would take me what two minutes, and I don't have time for that. Can you hear that better? Is my butt wet? I'm not sure why my butt's wet. I could have crapped my pants at the excitement of Carrie Lake's lawsuit. I don't know.
Whoops. Hold up. My, one of my strings has to be out of tune. It sounds like crap. Yeah, that was it. Okay, okay. Name that tune. So not only is my guitar out of tune, but my settings on my amp are all messed up because my son just likes to, whenever I pick up the guitar, go over to the amp amp and just start twisting knobs. So forgive me, but it's way out of calibration. <clears throat> so just so you guys know, we're still on break and we have, I think, three minutes before the stream comes back up. We're just goofing off right now. I was trying to kill the air, uh, fill some air, air time. Red Hot Chili Peppers. You got it. All right, looks like we're back up and running, guys. Back up and running. So I'm going to shut off the guitar here. All right.
Make sure to smash like, subscribe, baby. Smash that like button, subscribe. One more time, guys. Please go to my boy Levi's YouTube channel. It's called Family Preppers. Family Preppers. You might have to scroll down a little bit because it's a new channel. And also subscribe to my wife's channel, Kate, K-A-I-T, Mo Cedar on YouTube. I'm trying to use this little break time to promote my people, man. Spread the love. Share the love. All right, looks like the stream's coming back up, but they're still taking their seats. Not much going on yet, but if you're just popping in, in the first half, <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Stephen Richard's a liar. We caught him on Chain of Custody, and we also proved that the ballots were printed uh, on 20-inch paper with a 19-inch ballot <clears throat> image, which is the reason that all right this is cv 2022 okay sorry zero nine five four this is lay versus hobbs et al continuation of the hearing on the election challenge uh present for the record are parties or representatives in the respective council we have mr parik still on the witness stand under oath and we are ready to continue with the cross-examination this will be by miss Kana. I believe. Thank you, Your Honor. With the opportunity to streamline over the lunch break, we have no further questions at this time. Thank you. Well, then. Okay. I have a very brief uh, redirect. A few points, Your Honor. No, that is fine. You get redirect. I'm smiling because I have a lawyer characterizing something as brief. Uh, (laughs) I do my best, Your Honor. (laughs) Excuse my smile. But this is redirect, Mr. Olson. You may proceed. Mr. Parikh, uh, Mr. Liddy asked you some questions about duplicate ballots and kind of like, hey, if there was a shrink to fit, that that was no big deal because the duplicate would be uh, captured or accepted by the tabulator. What happens during the duplication process? The, the original ballot is examined. Another clean ballot is, is set beside it, and those the ballot is duplicated. All those votes are transferred and verified. In the duplicated duplication process, could the image of a 19-inch image from the original be transposed onto a 20-inch ballot? As the duplicated ballot? Yes. In other words, if you had a 19-inch image on 20-inch paper, the original image, and then the back. Okay, per uh, Behizzi's request, I'm actually going to pull up RSBN stream because apparently it's better. So give me one sec. In the duplicated duplication process, could the image of a 19-inch image from the original be transposed onto a 20-inch ballot? As the duplicated ballot? Yes. In other words, if you had a 19-inch image on 20-inch paper, the original image, and then the ballot is duplicated and run through the scanner, could the duplicated ballot be brought up to a 20-inch image? Could it, could the- yes, it should be. If the tw- if the ballot was originally a 20-inch ballot, the, the, the blank ballot that they would bring to put the votes, transfer the votes to, 
would would be 20 inch. So yes, it would be it would be tabulated. It, it would necessarily be moved to a 20 inch image in order to yes, be tabulated. That's, that's the only way it could be tabulated. Yes, and uh, at the point of duplication, anything could happen to alter or not the original ballot. Correct. If you're duplicating a ballot, yes. What's to stop somebody from altering the ballot from its original? Objection, Your Honor. My apologies. This is beyond the scope of direct and cross, I believe. He's asking for new opinions that he never offered. Your Honor, if I may, Mr. Liddy is the one who brought up duplication and that it was no big deal. This is directly relevant to his examination and implication that duplication means that no harm, no foul. I agree with you in terms of the scope of redirect. Um, I'm a little concerned about foundation, but. Yes, Your Honor. Go ahead and ask whatever questions you, Mr. Liddy. Thank you, Your Honor. I apologize, but the duplication process is in Title 16. It's a very important part of the process. I would never and have never characterize it as no big deal. And I object to his mischaracterization of my description of that important process. Not a problem. So noted. Mr. Olson, do you have another question, please? Mr. Parikh, Mr. Liddy asked you if you had asked for the duplicated ballots. And you said uh, in the beginning, your testimony is that you had asked Mr. Jarrett and were given an answer that there was no way to trace. And then subsequent to that, when you were asked the question again, you said you did not ask. What was the distinction that you were drawing in terms of asking for the duplicated ballot? I, I thought Mr. Liddy was asking me if I had planned on, if it was in my plan of what I selected and wanted to see as, as far as the sample size. And I did not plan that. I did not plan that. It was made clear there was time taken to ensure that all the inspectors were aware of how the process would be, the amounts we were allowed and all that. And they, they were, they were provided to us. And when they were, I asked were were the duplicate, I did ask where the duplicated were, but that was as part of the court order process to look at those. Okay. Yes. And when you, to be, so that the record is clear, when you asked for the duplicated ballot while you were there at MTAC, what was the, and who did you ask again? Was it Mr. Jarrett? Mr. Jarrett, yes. And what was his response? He said it would, they would have to get texts and it would take up to a week to, to trace that down. Okay. And you heard Mr. Jarrett testify that there was no way that a 19 inch image was placed on 20 inch paper in the November 2022 general election, correct? Yes, sir. And is there any way that a 19-inch ballot image placed on 20-inch paper in this election in Maricopa, whether it was tabulated by the uh, vote center tabulator or the tabulators at MTEC, that that 19-inch ballot image would be accepted by the tabulator? There's no way a 19-inch image on 20-inch paper could be accepted by the tabulator. You also examined early votes, correct? Yes, sir, I did. And you testified that those were votes that were printed by Runback? 
Yes, sir. Did you see out of any of those early votes that you inspected or observed a 19-inch image on 20-inch paper? No, sir, I did not. So the 19-inch image on 20-inch paper was only an existing condition on the ballot-on-demand printed ballots, which were the day of the election. Is that accurate? Yes, sir. That's accurate. Can you... Did you you took a picture of those ballots side by side in your report, correct? I did not take the picture physically. The the photograph was provided to me. Okay. When I initially saw it, it it may not to a normal voter or user that looks to pick this up, but again, I examined all types of media in all types of ways and it jumped out at me and I requested to get a copy of that image because to me that that was very damning. And, and then that photograph was an overlay and it, it did confirm my conclusions that it was a shrinkage and that it. Should there ever be, as Mr. Liddy characterized, a shrink to fit ballot that comes out for some people's ballots and not others? I'm here to state the technical scientific facts. I gave the options. Mr. Liddy's assumptions of a shrink to fit is inaccurate and to boot or to further on add that if the ballot definition is 20 inches and you print it on 20 inch paper, shrink to fit will do nothing. The margins will be exactly the same as they are on a regular ballot and they should be tabulated. But what he referred to cannot happen. The only other technical possibility for that happening is if somebody messed with the print drivers and made, even though 20-inch paper was loaded, made the printer think it was 19 inches, and that would cause the shrink to fit. That only technical option that would address Mr. Liddy's scenario. Thank you, Mr. Perry. Any further questions, Your Honor? Well, may we excuse the witness? Yes, Your Honor. Yes, Your Honor. Thank you, Mr. Breek. You're welcome, sir. Your excuse, sir. Your Honor, at this time, we'd like to call Aaron Smith. I'm not sure that we have Mr. Smith on the witness list. Absolutely was disclosed. On the witness list that we just filed with the court yesterday? I have to look, but I know that we disclosed him. We just... Yesterday. What happened? What? He's saying that he's not on the list. Thank you. 
The list I'm looking at, Your Honor, does show Aaron Smith designated a witness. If Your Honor wants to give me a few minutes, I can go through my emails. What the court was given. I don't know that we provided that list, Your Honor. I think you followed it. I think there was an email communication from plaintiff's counsel expressly asking us to take Mr. Smith off of the list. I'm trying to find out who Mr. Smith is and where he is. Can you show me that list? Can I see the witness list that we filed? I need to just email. Your Honor, at this time we would call Bradley Benin Court. Very well. So let's call Heather Tender here. Your Honor, we're going to have a change of plans and call Heather Hunt. I couldn't catch that. I heard change of plans and he turned around. We're going to call another witness, Your Honor, Heather Hunt. Sorry about that, Your Honor. Or is the witness waiting outside? Yes, she's coming in now. Can you just hold on one second and have her stay outside just a second? One second. Thank you. This was another issue that was raised in the 807 notice by plaintiffs that they were going to use hearsay. I apologize, Mr. Olson, you're having a hard time hearing me and I'll try and speak up. The disclosure that I received had a listed exhibit 
So all I have is information that this witness is going to testify about a voicemail from someone with a first name, no last name. Well, Your Honor. I don't have any substance. It based, okay, it's a voicemail from somebody by the name of Betty who well, identifies herself as working at the Department of Elections for Maricopa County. <laughs> The voicemail was left to my client in response to a, uh, a FOIA request, a Public Records Act request that was made for chain of custody documentation. And the voicemail, we believe, Your Honor, is a statement against interest because they basically say, uh, well, don't know. Okay. It has been disclosed, Your Honor. Okay. There's, um, who's going to respond? Your Honor, I will. Number one, I'm going to, thank you, Your Honor. I'm going to object to calling this witness for the purposes of testifying about hearsay testimony by somebody named Betty, who is not a party in this case, and therefore cannot make any statements, admissions on behalf of the party. And this uh, so-called voicemail has no authentication, so I, I would object on foundation as well, Your Honor. <laughs> It hasn't been disclosed. It's been disclosed, Your Honor. This court even has it as a trial. But, Your Honor, Betty identifies herself as someone working in the Maricopa County Department of Elections. She also identifies that she is responding to my client regarding a Public Records Act request that was, I'm sorry, I said my client. She was responding to my witness regarding a Public Records Act request. It was my client who made that Public Records Act request. And Betty is explaining in the voicemail that she's they're still looking for the records, but they have no idea, and uh, she's got to go on vacation, so she should call back and talk to somebody else. This is a Public Records Act request, Your Honor, that is directly relevant to the trial here today. That's not my problem. I'm, I agree with you. I, I see the relevance of what you're arguing. Mm-hmm. My problem and where I'm focusing my questioning is the authentication and the disclosure of this because you're asking for this under 807 as an exception because there's not another recognized exception to the hearsay rule. And I didn't see anything disclosed. You're telling me this today. This is the first I'm hearing it. So... Uh, what, well, Your Honor, the exception, when everything else is gone, this is the Hail Mary that says. Understood, Your Honor. I've got nothing else, Judge. Put it in 807, just against interest, especially in this case. We have pending litigation between my client and the county regarding their operation of this election, Your Honor. And it is a statement made by Betty identifying herself as an employee of the Maricopa County Records Department. My my witness, Your Honor, will get on the stand and testify that she deals with Betty with respect to public. So that's your offer of proof that your client will, not client, your witness was going to testify that this is a known person to her. In other words, she could recognize a voice. She knows.
Richard's request. Did I get it right? You got it right, Your Honor. Schlitty? Your Honor, first, we have not received this, so we'd object on that basis. And second, there is no Betty that's a party. We can't authenticate who she is, and she cannot make an admission on behalf of any of the parties in this litigation. And the fourth point, Your Honor, is a public records request is not one of the two counts before this court at this time. The public records request, Your Honor, is specifically aimed at Mr. Richard's testimony this morning that they have documents related to chain of custody for Election Day activity. When they don't, Betty says on this voicemail, Your Honor. Objection, Your Honor. Now the counsel is testifying. I'm not testifying. I'm making an argument, Your Honor, regarding the evidence. What you're making is an offer of proof, correct, Mr. Lund? I'm doing that as well. And I can submit one formally if you would like, Your Honor. But in terms of offering proof to this court, A, my witness will testify that she is familiar with Betty. My witness will testify that her employees are familiar with Betty. My witnesses will testify that she works with Betty in getting records from Maricopa County in response to FOIA requests, Your Honor. And you've also told me that this was disclosed previously, yes? I am, Your Honor, yes. When was it disclosed to? Oh, I'm sorry, Your Honor. This last week has been like four months. And if you want, Your Honor, it's going to take me a good 45 minutes to look for our disclosures. Stop one second. You're an officer of the court. I'm just asking for your word. If you tell me it was within the last week. I'm telling you it was disclosed, Your Honor. You're telling me within the last week? Yes, Your Honor. Disclosed to this morning, something like that. Your Honor, that I have created on two separate occasions at their request that I give them access to all of our records via a link so they can go online and download them. And I can show this court that I provided them at least two links to do so. Wait a minute. I don't want to waste a bunch more time on this. We've already spent a lot of time on it. I'm just down to the last little consideration, which is disclosure. So they're not shocked by this. Disclosure is different than saying, here's where all my stuff is. You can dig it out. Or it's in there somewhere. This would be a specific. You did a specific notice under 807. And so you realized that there's an issue with the authentication and the hearsay. So all I'm looking to do is verify that this is not something brand new today in terms of identifying this witness in court today. It is not, Your Honor. Thank you. Mr. Letty? Your Honor, we've been able to find under 73 and 74 document titled placeholder for voicemail. And then E, document titled placeholder for voicemail. I would, Your Honor, that that does not fit the requirement for disclosure. Are you going to play the voicemail? Yes, I am, Your Honor. But that is the court's exhibit list. I am not allowed to upload audiovisual files to the court system. I had an assistant come by and drop before noon, just before noon, a flash drive, which was rejected. They have these audio recordings, Your Honor. I would guarantee you, as they stand here today, they know who Betty is. Wait, stop. Somebody knows who Betty is because she works in the elections department. I say stop. That means stop. Okay. Yes, Your Honor. First of all, your understanding of the website 
uploading links is different than mine. You can upload those. Second of all, you did bring a flash drive by yesterday, but your office was told we can't do that. The clerk of the court uploads and the exhibits. And so those have to be uploaded through that website link. And apparently there isn't anything uploaded there. Your Honor, is, is there uploaded today? It, it, they were uploaded to the system. We took everything we had in our disclosure and we uploaded it to the system. It is uploaded on. The clerk is telling me that they don't have your exhibit uploaded. So what you would be doing is playing something extraneous that you have that's not been uploaded into the system. Okay. Bye. I, I, I have, I'm not doubting you, Mr. Blem, in that regard at all. Um, coming back to this, I, what I wanted to focus on is whether the defense had notice of this or not. Um, have you heard the voicemail before? Uh, no, Your Honor, uh, I have not heard the voicemail. Nobody, none of the attorneys here have heard the voicemail. And we can avow that there's no one in the Department of Elections, uh, Public Records Department named Betty. Well, why don't, here's what, here's what I'm going to do. Okay. Cause we're, it's taking too long. You can call your witness. Your witness can testify. And cross-examination can happen, but not play the video or the audio clip because it's not uploaded. It's not in the system. I don't have that disclosed. Your Honor, based on representations by counsel, we could always play it real quick before I bring the, bring the witness in. Based counsel on- represented that there's no one by that, by that name. Um, who works at the elections department. No, we're not going to go. I'm not going to have an evidentiary hearing on, on this issue. Okay. It was raised earlier in your notice. I told you that the attachment wasn't there. Now it's not in the exhibits. We're just going to move on. You can go ahead and call your witness. There'll be cross-examination. You can redirect, but we're not going to play a clip that's not uploaded and not previously disclosed under 807. Okay. Thank you, Your Honor. Would, would your honorable court reconsider? If I can go online at some point today before I'm done with my witness and show something that says you cannot upload audiovisual files, the system from this link. I tried anyway, you're up. No, I, I don't have no doubt you tried. Okay. I'm listening to two sources. The clerk's... Since statehood, the clerk of the court has been separate from Maricopa County Superior Court for whatever reasons were decided at the time of statehood. So they have a separate system. I cannot tell the clerk of the court how to do business. They run the exhibits. And so I'm looking to that website at my understanding of it, my clerk telling me what can be uploaded. I am not doubting you, Mr. Blem, that you tried to upload the exhibit. The operative question is whether or not it's a surprise to them meaning the defendants, because they have not heard the, the video clip. That would be something, whether it's uploaded or not, you would have given them previously. 
right, so your question to me is whether I would reconsider that ruling after having heard the evidence if you'd make an offer of proof separate and apart from the witness's testimony, correct? Uh, yes, Your Honor. Okay. Um, I'll accept that. You can you can go ahead and make an offer of proof. Um, do you have that right now? The the auto recording? Yes. Uh, yes, Your Honor, we can pull it up. Well, that's what I want you to do for your offer of proof. I'm gonna... All right, then may I play it, Your Honor? Playing it for me, yes. Yes, that's what I mean, Your Honor. This is part of your offer of proof, Mr. Blunt. Let's see. Do we... Yes, go with 74. This is exhibit, what's listed as exhibit 74, Your Honor. Uh, for defense counsel's sake, it is listed as Q1.1. That's placeholder. And now, Your Honor, I'm hoping she didn't say she was Betsy. Hi, Michelle, this is Betsy. Hi, Michelle. This is Betty calling with the Maricopa County Elections Department. I'm so sorry that I'm calling you back so late after getting your message yesterday. Um, we, I still don't have information. Christy is waiting um, to receive information as to where that um, document is. We haven't forgotten. We just haven't heard back. And I just wanted to give you that update, which is really not an update, but um, it is still on our um our to-do list to see where we can get that for you. Um, once we do have it, we will call you and let you know. Um, I am actually going to start my holiday tomorrow, and I'm going to be off all through the following week. So if you need to touch base, I would say go ahead and touch base directly with Christy, um, and then you know, she can provide any updates. But she knows that we need to... Um, get you that information and reach back out to you. So that's all I have. I, I know it's not much, but I wanted to at least get you that information. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much. And if I don't talk to you, um, have a fabulous uh, Christmas and New Year. And, um, and perhaps we'll talk in the in the uh, New Year. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. Hi, Michelle. This is Betty calling with the Maricopa County Election Department. Is this is is that the same one? It, it just it looped. Okay, very good. All right. And, and that would make an interesting crank phone call, Your Honor. That somebody that that somebody identifies themselves from the Maricopa County Elections Department, stating their name and saying, "We're still waiting for records responsive to your request." Your Honor. My client will testify as to who this individual is. Uh, I'm sorry, not my client, my witness. My witness will testify, Your Honor, that she interacts with this individual. Okay. And she's fulfilling FOIA requests from the Maricopa County Recorder's Office. Very good. Okay. Go ahead and call your witness. Uh, I'm going to give it the weight I deem appropriate, and, you know, when all the dust settles. But you can go ahead and call your witness. Thank you, Your Honor. 
How is that being proved at? Ma'am, if you could just come forward, if you would, and stand in front of my clerk. Raise your right hand. She'll swear you in. Ma'am, if you could just move your way, uh, make your way around to the witness stand and have a seat. <clears throat> as soon as she's situated, you may proceed, Mr. Bond. Good afternoon, Miss Honey. Can you please state your full name uh, for the record? Heather Honey. What do you do, Miss Honey, for a living? I'm an investigator. Um, I'm also an auditor. I do supply chain consulting as well. How long have you engaged in that type of work? Uh, uh, over 30 years. Over 30 years. Yeah. And so um, what, do you, what do you do as an investigator? You just investigate? Yeah, I mean, I do um, corporate investigations. I do, um, as I mentioned, supply chain investigations, counter diversion, um, those sorts of things. And and recently, um, over the course of the last about two and a half years, um, our research has sort of expanded into, um, you know, sort of the government accountability, transparency, and elections. I do. What is open source research? Um, open source investigations, open source intelligence is just the use of publicly available information, public records to do um, investigations or research. All right. So like Maricopa County Elections Department records, would that be correct? Yes. Okay. And you can get those through how? Um, in Arizona, it's a public records request that you submit. All right. And so in terms of your work doing um, open source investigations and things of that nature, I know you're shy, but I also know you teach people. Can you can you give me some background in that area? Yeah, I do uh, training on open source investigations, open source research. Um, I've been doing that sort of training uh, for about five years now, and um, I. I instruct people. Who do you train on behalf of? Um, well, I'm uh, I, a small business owner. I own my own company, and um, I wrote my own curriculum. And I, I train clients, um, you know, military clients, special forces. I train um, uh, law enforcement. I train uh, private corporations, um, and and I train journalists as well. Right, so that's a that's an awesome use of uh, open source investigation skills for journalism. And I think you said uh, special forces. Yeah. Do you do any work with the department uh, uh, or the DEA? I'll just abbreviate. Um, I don't believe I've ever had um, students from the DEA. I mean, like Secret Service, like I said, law law enforcement agencies, local police departments, those sorts of things. All right. All right. Very good. And so you uh, you said you also got involved in. Uh, Election integrity issues. How long ago? About two and a half years ago now. Three and a half, two and a half years ago. Okay. And uh, just what states have you done research in? Well, some of our research has been in all fifty states. Um, specifically, we looked into uh, vulnerabilities in the UOCAVA, the non non military UOCAVA voters. Um, in addition to that, um, we've done. 
um, very specific types of research in um, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Arizona, and a, a little bit of uh, a little bit of stuff in Georgia as well. All right. And so, um, with respect to your work in the state of Arizona, uh, you know what what is the EPM? Yeah, the Election Procedures Manual. I'm familiar. And I would like to pull up the Elections Procedures Manual right now, Your Honor, Exhibit 60. All right, and uh, can you see the monitor in front of you? Can. Does that appear to be the Elections Procedures Manual? It does. Are you fairly well-versed in that document? I mean, I haven't committed it to memory in its entirety, but I'm, I'm familiar with the relevant uh, statutes as they relate to the research that, that uh, I've done in Arizona. Thank you. And so let's let's talk about just generally explain to this court how you became um, knowledgeable about Arizona elections as it relates specifically to the issue of chain of custody. Yeah, so, um, you know, obviously the the idea here, I mean, I do like vulnerability assessments, I do supply chain consulting. So what what you're looking for, right, is is researching what are the uh, vulnerabilities in the in the election system, for example. And so one of the areas that we looked at was the the Dropbox chain of custody. And the election procedure manual specifically has guidelines on starting on page 61, um, item number seven, there are about eight um, specific requirements that the recorder um, is required to do regarding the um, chain of custody of Dropbox ballots. So in addition to the EPM, um, when we were researching this, uh, we spoke with representatives who had actually participated in the process. We talked to ballot couriers who had actually retrieved uh, ballots from Dropboxes. We spoke with uh, Celia in the Maricopa County um, elections department. Uh, she was very helpful. She provided a lot of uh, a lot of really useful information in terms of their their process. Um, the EPM uh, is sort of the guideline for the entire state, but how each county implements the the uh, process is different. For example, we did uh, you know research and investigations into the chain of custody um, in a couple of elections uh, in Arizona. Uh, uh, several in Maricopa, but we also looked at the process in Pima County as well. So you spent a great deal of time talking to people in Arizona that actually work in the elections department? Yes. That actually work at Runback? Uh, well, I, I mean, I spoke with uh, Jeff Ellington um, uh, about, I want to say nearly a year ago or so, and he was able to answer a bunch of questions that I had about how Runback works. Jeff Ellington is the uh, CEO of Runbeck. Um, and, and recently I had the opportunity to talk to a Runbeck employee who provided a, a declaration in this case. Okay. And you also have the opportunity to work with other election integrity experts and uh, attorneys? Yes. In the state of Arizona? I do. All right. And so let, let, let's go back to Pennsylvania really quick. Pennsylvania is where you got your start, isn't it? Well, I, I'm from Pennsylvania, so... Um, that's what uh, that's what definitely uh, piqued my interest in um, uh, sort of the vulnerabilities in the election system and what can be done to fix that. In Pennsylvania, I believe it was 2020, wasn't it? Yes. What uh, what did you identify as a particular vulnerability in Arizona at that time? Well, in Pennsylvania, I think you mean. Yes, Pennsylvania. 
Um, so objection relevance sustain your honor just gets to the oh sorry all right so with respect to the state of Arizona again uh, how many elections have you looked at in the state of Arizona with respect specifically to the chain of custody issue three three which ones were those uh, it was the 2020 election that it was a 2021, um, I'm sorry, a 2022 municipal election and then this uh, 2022 general. Okay. And so I've, I've got a demonstrative presentation, Your Honor, I would like to pull up um, and it, it uh, has citations to all of our exhibits. Ron, I'd like a moment to review this with my co-counsel before it's published to the witness. That'd be fine. There's signatures on here. Signatures on there. Believe it or not. Your Honor, I'm going to object in that this exhibit, which seems to be more of an exhibit than most of, contains um, many signatures from individuals whose signatures should not be published to the public, Your Honor. Your Honor, signatures are routinely published and generally. Let me ask a question, if I could, please. Yes. Are these signatures related to the 2020 election in Arizona? You know, I believe these are. May I answer that question? Yes. No, not to me. These are related to 2022. This is the, the, the 2022 election, Your Honor. The documents contained within this PowerPoint are from the 2022 election. They were all provided um, either in response to my client's FOIA request or they are public source documents that are published online, including there's a citation right off the bat, Your Honor, uh, for the EPS. And so there's nothing in here um, that's been a surprise. Uh, this chart made by my client has also been disclosed. And with respect to the signatures, Your Honor, signatures are public all the time. Signatures of voters, people, people check their, uh, their lists, their roster lists. I'm sorry, I'm not active in politics, so I don't know what it's called and run for office. You gotta go get, uh, whatever it is, uh, enough signatures to get on the ballots. Those are always, those are accessible to the public. Okay, I can go on the county recorder's webpage right now, today, this very second, and I can pull up titles, deeds, financial documents, all kinds of records that specifically contain signatures. These documents, Your Honor, which I'm going to move all of the underlying documents into the record, contain no PII. We're not talking about birth dates. 
social security numbers. We're not talking about driver's license. Maricopa County's own documents. Your Honor, if, if, um, if I heard counsel correctly, he wants to move these in as exhibits, so therefore they're not a demonstrative, and they have not been provided um, on his exhibit list. Um, I tell you what, the moment I come across the document that has not been provided on my exhibit list, this court doesn't have, and uh, I'll stop with a demonstrative. Demonstrative exhibit into the record. I may do so after my client, I mean, my witness testifies, Your Honor. But right now, I would like to walk through this demonstrative, which is based on documents received from open source. The EPM, you can go online. You can documents that were provided by Maricopa County. If I may, Your Honor. Yes. These documents appear to, appear to fall under Title 16-168. Um, any person possession or precinct register or list in whole or in part or any reproduction of precinct register of list shall not permit the register or list to be used, bought, sold, otherwise transferred for any purpose other than otherwise authorized in this section. And this is not the use authorized in the section for these documents. Was that Section F? It was Section F. It's for right. government, excuse me, it's for election officials or perhaps banded by court to government officials, and the witness is not a government official or an election official, Your Honor. Your Honor, if the entirety of Section F were read, there are very clear and very specific exclusions, including the media, Your Honor. The media have access to signatures. Elections, Your Honor, is an exclusion. It does not say government officials running elections. And this case, Your Honor, is about an election. What's the statute again, 16-1? Your Honor, it's uh, Title 16-168-F. If I may, Your Honor, I would uh, ask that the counsel direct his comments to the court and not to my co-counsel. Sorry, I look around when I talk. Okay. Your representation is that there's none of the information prohibited in the in uh, the form of um, month, date, and year of birth, social security number, driver's license number, non-operating identification license number, Indian census number, father's name, mother's maiden name, state or country of birth. None of that is contained at in this. 
and then signatures and voters' email addresses. And then not none of that's contained in the information, or are you saying it's an exception because it's available to the media? It specifically carves out exclusions, and one of them are for elections. If we didn't have these exclusions, our candidates wouldn't be able to get on the ballot if they couldn't do signature. Okay. There are exclusions for the media. I believe it goes elections media, Your Honor, but I may be mistaken. I tend to forget. It's, this is limited to, 16F is limited to persons in possession of precinct voter registration or list. And then it says, it says, can't be bought, sold, or otherwise transferred for any purpose except for use, except for uses otherwise authorized by this section. And you're, you're correct that it talks about otherwise authorized uses, including newspaper, radio, television, television. I, I would also point out, Your Honor. Yes. None of the documents contained in this within this presentation okay. are full lists. Your Honor. What are what are we going to what is the demonstrative exhibit in the testimony going to demonstrate? Uh, it's a demonstrative exhibit, Your Honor, prepared by my witness. Yeah. To walk the court through the various chain of custody documents used by the Maricopa County Recorder's Office, as well as the court, as well as the Board of Supervisors. I think this, I think this to show, just to show your honor and the court and the witnesses. The media deserves to know your honor. No, no, no. Show what? To show the process, the, the documents used. Okay. How the flow of ballots moves. And okay. I will tell you, Your Honor, it's one of our contentions that because Maricopa County does not adequately maintain chain of custody of drop box and mail ballots, that it becomes much easier to infuse ballots into the system. And that's one of our allegations, Your Honor. Okay. Um, I understand what your offer of proof is about. Your Honor, the signatures contained in this um Proposed demonstrative are not voter signatures. And so I would withdraw my objection based on that. Very good. Then we can proceed. Um, Mr. Blum, you can proceed with your demonstration. Uh, did I move to admit Exhibit 60, the EPM? If not, I do so now. The objection? Yes, Your Honor. Objection relevance. The EPM, not the demonstrative exhibit. Oh, no objection. I didn't think so. Thank you. Right. 60s admitted. All right. And so your familiarity with EPM came from you reading it and talking to other people, correct? Yeah, I mean, the extensive research we did, yes. All right. And the EPM has, has guidelines. Not. I'm sorry. I, I think I misspoke, didn't I? They're not guidelines. I believe their requirements, it says that the recorder shall develop and implement the secure ballot retrieval and chain of custody process. Okay. So the county recorder or officer in charge of elections shall develop and implement secure ballot retrieval and chain of custody procedures. Yes. 
Okay. So there's eight guidelines. This this slide only has a couple of them on there, but the requirements are things like, uh, you know, two uh, couriers of differing parties, um, date and time of arrival at the, the Dropbox, date and time of departure from the Dropbox, and uh, the date and time to arrive at the county. But most importantly, it requires that when that transport container is opened, that the number of ballots inside that container shall be counted and noted on the retrieval form. And of course, these retrieval forms are specific to a one specific Dropbox. So it's a one for, it's a one to one correspondence. Okay. So based on the law, then if I were to go to what's designated as Dropbox P57 and retrieve the ballots from there, I would create a chain of custody record that identifies the two people who went to get the ballots. It identifies the time they went there. And more importantly, it identifies the number of ballots contained within that box. Well, to be clear, the um, the, the form is called the Early Voting Ballot Transport Statement, and it is the, the ballots are not counted at the time of retrieval. Instead, what happens is those couriers, they go out to the Dropbox, they open the Dropbox, they retrieve all of the ballots, they put them inside. Again, the, I'm going to tell you how Maricopa County does it. It's not necessarily how all of the counties do, but specifically in Maricopa County, the two couriers put the ballots in the box, they close the the um, transport container, they zip tie it with uh, security seals, and they document the fact that it was the two of them, the location, the time, et cetera, as I already mentioned. Pretty secure process when that is done. Yeah, I mean that's that's the that's the process and, and that's that's compliant with the uh, with the law in Arizona, so. And when the recorder or the recorder's designee opens up that container, that at that point, when the container is open, the recorder must count those ballots and record the, the, the precise number of ballots inside the container on that retrieval form. And again, the retrieval form um, is required in EPM. Okay. And really quickly, let's sort of interrupt your PowerPoint time to time because I think you said uh, EVBTS. Yes. Early votes ballot transport statement. Right. I actually have that on one of the slides so that you can see it. Understood. But I want the court to be able to see a standalone of that document and then we'll turn back to your slide. Is that fair? Understood. Sure. Can you pull up exhibit? All right. Can you see the document that is currently on um, the screen? Yes. And uh, that's an early voting ballot transportsman, correct? Correct. It's the retrieval form used in Maricopa. Does that look like it's completely filled out? 
yeah, it looks great. It has uh, all of the required fields. Um, it's, uh, if I was doing an audit of that, I would say that is a, a perfect score. So you'd say perfect score for this one, Bates number 009916, correct? Yes. Okay, you happy with that? Yeah. It's to criticize, are you? I'm not here to criticize at all. I, I just want to um, sort of shed some light on, on the vulnerabilities. In- are you? I'm not here to criticize at all. I, I just want to um, sort of shed some light on, on the vulnerabilities in the system in the hopes that they'll be fixed. And how many, in response to my client's FOIA request, or I keep saying FOIA, I apologize, uh, Public Records Act request, um, how many of these specific documents did you get? Um, I apologize. I, I, the, the precise count is, uh, has escaped me, but I will tell you that, that they produced, um, they said that they produced all of the documents that they had. Um, we specifically asked for these documents as well as a bunch of others, but um, they said that they provided all of the early voting ballot transport statements that they had for the entire election. And um, we had them for every day that drop boxes were open. So we, you know, we compared that to the list of um, locations when they were open and we, we did have these uh, transport transport um, statements for each and every day that they were open, with the exception of Election Day. There were no early voting ballot transport statements provided for Election Day. Five and really quickly, I'm just going to move to admit Exhibit 75, Your Honor. Any objection? No objection, Your Honor. All right, we can go back. 71's admitted. All right, wait, is it 75? Mm-hmm. 75, Your Honor. It's uh, your, I, your 75 RR1. No, it's there's only one number. It's the court's number that we're referring to. Not mine, yours, his. It's 75, and 75's admitted. Understood, Your Honor. I say R1 for their bit. Got it. Very good. 75, Your Honor. All right. And... Uh, you know, I'm I'm going to sort of divert a little bit here because um, do you have any problems with any of the uh, early ballot transport statements that you reviewed for the being early voting until Election Day? No, I think that they actually, uh, compared to previous elections, they did a really – uh, you know, significantly better job with the uh, documents this time around. Um, but again, there were no documents produced for election day, which go through this. But what did you find when you did the 2020 election? You looked at all the documents they had for chain of custody, correct? Yeah, so so we, we made a couple of observations. The the first one was that um, there were a significant number of these early voting ballot transport statements that that were not properly completed. Uh, specifically, I would say the, the the biggest issue was that there were quite a few of them that did not. Actually, Your Honor, what is testifying about twenty twenty relevance? Yes, she is. Yes, Your Honor, um, it's just relevant to my my clients. I'm sorry. My- Well, you know, Richard's testimony, he said he came in and he made it better and changed forms. And it was my witness, Your Honor, that sort of led that effort to get the forms changed. 
Okay, but that count was dismissed. The process changes that could have been done either by the Arizona dismissed. So I understand. I'm not going to debate with you endlessly back. Understood and dismissed. So I understand. I'm not going to debate with you endlessly back. Understood and your honor, I won't go there, but. But you are now. No, I'm sorry, Your Honor. I'm not. I'm not trying to be argumentative or anything. Um, if we get the end of our presentation of evidence and uh, defendants stand up here and and raise the latches allegation, they won't be doing that because the motion ruled on that. There was the latches argument that was upheld with regard to the 2020 election and the other part of the case. Okay. So today we're talking about hopefully she's shedding light in her statement. Shedding light on vulnerabilities to be fixed is exactly what was dismissed. I'm looking at today what happened in the 2020 election and understanding that. And to that end, I've allowed this presentation. And so far, even though she said that, you're, you're explaining how it's, how the process works. And that's fine. But going into the 2020, we're out of that. Understood, Your Honor. Thank you. All right. Can we, uh, change the slide? Thank you very much. Um, can you please explain to the court um, what this uh, this all means? Yeah, so this is a diagram of Maricopa County uh, ballot chain of custody from the voter to tabulation. And so what you notice is if you vote on election day, you know, you put your ballot in the tabulator. But if you vote early uh, in person in Maricopa or if you vote by mail, there are several transfers of the ballot and therefore uh, requirements for chain of custody. And what's interesting or unique about Maricopa County is, to my knowledge, they are one of the only counties in the country that outsources the intake or the receipt of their ballots to a third party organization. So, for example, we talked about the um, the uh, EPM and the requirement for chain of custody from the Dropbox to the county. In most counties, that's the end of the road. You know, you retrieve the ballot from the Dropbox, you transport it securely to the county, and it's tabulated there. That's not the case in Maricopa County. In Maricopa County, they then have to, after they've received it in the county and processed it according to the you know, Arizona law, then they must, again, maintain secure chain of custody as they transfer it from Maricopa County to Runbeck. And then again, when it comes back the other way. Thank you very much. And uh, how many steps are there? If you vote, let's say you get a, you, you either, I guess you get a vote by mail, couldn't you? Or you could go into a vote center and get a ballot. Right. So on the next slide, I kind of just point out the fact that a drop box in Maricopa County does not just contain mail ballots, right? So um, mail ballots that are, um, you know, sent to the voter and uh, in the mail through, through the U.S. Postal Service. Um, you can go to, the, it was the next slide. Well, um, I'm not done asking you questions. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were asking me about the different ways that, they, I'm sorry. All right. Why is it the chain of custody when all of these transfers takes place is so important? Well, I mean, chain of custody, first of all, it's the law. And, and secondly, it's um, what allows uh, sort of the security of, of the ballot, right? If you 
um, have 10 ballots and you know you have 10 ballots and they're transferred to um, the next location and there's still 10 ballots, then, you know, you feel like that's a pretty good secure chain. But if, you know, if there are ballots added or subtracted, you, you become aware of that um, if you are properly managing chain of custody. Okay. So it's what you're saying that at each of these different points in this process where a transfer is made, there are vulnerabilities in the system that could either induce or reduce the number of ballots. Well, I mean, I think what you're the reason that you maintain chain of custody, the reason that it's it's part of business, it's part of elections is because um, if failure to maintain chain of custody presents a, a situation where ballots could be added, but ballots could also be removed. And so that's why this this whole chain of custody is uh, important enough to have its own laws written about it. Okay. And can you pull up exhibit one? Is there another exhibit they're pulling up? Excuse me, Your Honor. Is there another exhibit they're pulling up? Yeah, he's pulling up exhibit 102 right now. 102? Thank you. Okay. Well, then. Did he, did he move? Try to move this now. Okay. All right. And so um, you can see the screen, Miss Honey? Yes. And is that uh, the chart you made that is uh, that we've marked as exhibit, the course marked as exhibit two? It is. I move to admit exhibit two, Your Honor. Foundation. Objection, Your Honor, foundation. 102. You got me confused. Oh, you said two. Now you got you. Did I say two? Yeah. I, I apologize, Your Honor. It's 102. That's why I had this look on my face. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. 102? 102, Your Honor. In which is there an objection? Yes, sir. This was offered as a demonstrative, and we're fine with that. But if if it's going to be offered um, as an exhibit, uh, it lacks foundation and no authentication. Well, okay. Yes, wait, wait. Let me rule. I think that that's what the witness has done. Is she's testified as to her understanding, and that's what this represents: her understanding of the system and, as the the law is. And your objection next might be. My objection is I'd like to know where she got it, who created it. Did you make this chart, diagram, whatever you want to call it, this honey? I made it in PowerPoint. And did you make this based upon your... Thank you, Your Honor. Based on that, no objection. Great. 102 is admitted. Thank you. All right. Uh, can we go back to the slide and move on to the next one? Which is... Which exhibit? Oh, the demonstrative is the, I'm sorry, the PowerPoint. I'm sorry. All right. Can you tell us what this slide shows, Ms. Honey? Yeah. So this, this slide shows that in, in a lot of counties, a Dropbox is only for a place for people, an alternative to returning their mail ballot by mail. But in Maricopa County, the Dropbox is are, in fact, a repository for a ballot that's mailed to a voter that they choose not to return by postal service. But it's also where people who vote early in person, who vote, who go into a vote center, show their ID, 
they, um, you know, they get their ballot printed, they vote, put it in an envelope and they sign the envelope and they drop that ballot envelope into a drop box. So when we talk about Dropbox ballot retrieval for early voting, um, it includes early in-person and um, uh, mail ballots that are deposited in a Dropbox as well. So it's those two different um, types of, of uh, Dropbox ballots. Okay. And so I believe you had testified previously that you have reviewed all of the early ballot TVBTS. And it's my understanding you praise Maricopa County for having improved their documents and actually followed their procedures? Yes, on the on the documents that were completed, but again, um, the, there's the absence of, of documents for election day ballots, which again is a significant number. Okay. Well your FOIA request, well, my client's FOIA request requested all the chain of custody documents for Maricopa County on Election Day, correct? Correct. Have they provided any to you? Yes, they actually provided um, all of the documents that, that we requested with the exception of the Maricopa County delivery receipt form. Okay. The Maricopa County delivery receipt form. Can you please tell the court what that is? So the, the Maricopa County delivery receipt, uh, as I mentioned in that like previous sort of thing, if you, if, I think if we can go to the one that actually has it on there, um, the, it is the, the document, the chain of custody document that uh, is created at Maricopa County to record the precise number. That's not this slide. It's, if you go to like two more, um, the precise, that's the one. Perfect. Thank you. Oops, back one. There you go. Perfect. Um, it it's uh, in this in this diagram here. It's the number two, right? So um, when the drop boxes when the when the ballots are retrieved from the drop box, the early voting ballot transport statement is used to, to document the chain of custody from the drop of ballots inside that transport container, and they document they record that precise count of ballots on the uh, early voting ballot of ballots inside that transport container. And they document, they record that precise count of ballots on the uh, early voting ballot transport statement. From there, again, this is unique to Maricopa County. Maricopa County um, election officials then create this delivery receipt form, which is like a half sheet. And that has on it the precise uh, count of the ballots that they are then loading on a truck and transferring to Runbeck. The, the larger thing there, the thing that has the number three on it, is a document that's created at Runbeck, basically just saying, hey, this is how many uh, ballots were dropped off. Okay. So, and to, and to answer your question, what we did not receive is the number two, um, the uh, delivery receipts. The PowerPoint, you can open uh, exhibit number 67. I, I couldn't hear you because you turned away. I'm sorry, you're on 67. All right, Miss Honey, you were talking about the early voting ballot transport stick. Is this it? I mean, that's one of them. This one is from uh, ASU West um, from October 25th. 
Okay, by one of them, you mean there were many of these? Yes, so there's one of these forms for each day that a drop box is open. Um, and uh, so if there are 50 drop boxes open on a particular day, there are 50 of these forms created because there are 50 retrievals of ballots. And you reviewed all of these? We did. And uh, already moved this one into evidence. I don't have that you did. I don't believe I did. No. Move is 67 into evidence, Your Honor. No objection, Your Honor. 67 is admitted. Do you have any problem with any of these statements for the early voting period? No. No. You've reviewed them all. Yeah. I mean, I think they, they, like I said, they did a much, much better job. Right. So could you actually go through all of these and up and figure out exactly how many ballots Maricopa County retrieved from drop boxes? I think they, they, like I said, they did a much, much better job. Right. So could you actually go through all of these and up and figure out exactly how many ballots Maricopa County retrieved from drop boxes up until the day of the election? Exactly. Yes. Okay. And you can do that. Yes. Is that what you're supposed to be able to do? Well, I mean, on a daily basis. Yeah. I mean, you have to do it for each and every retrieval according to the law. All right. Thank you very much. And so. Transport receipt again. That uh, what is that? So the delivery receipt is again that half sheet that I had on the display there, which is created at Maricopa County at MacTech that accompanies the ballots as they travel from Maricopa County to Runbeck, so that when they arrive at Runbeck, Runbeck knows precisely how many ballots are um, on that shipment. Do you have all of Maricopa County delivery receipt documents? We do not have any. We requested them, but they said they had misplaced them. And those are the ones that were uh, for election day, correct? Well, actually, we didn't get a single one of those for the entire election. It, it is uh, the testimony of uh, the or in the declaration of Runbeck uh, employees that no such documents existed for Election day. For election day. Right. And what about prior to the election? Yeah, so this was this form was actually created for all of the, the days prior to election day. I'm sorry, but my question was specifically related to election day. Okay. There, there were none. Well, we did not receive any. They said they misplaced them and the runback employees said none existed. Okay. All right. Um, have you been trying to get the records? We have. You know somebody by name. On behalf of uh, Carrie Leake, some of the documents they provided to us electronically and others they said were in binders and we had to go and copy them ourselves. Okay. So we had a couple of copying of the records. Have you met Betty? I have not met Betty. Then I got a correct. Copying of the records. Have you met Betty? I have not met Betty. Then I got a correct misrepresentation to the court, Your Honor. I believe that my witness had. So I apologize and I correct that. Um, are you familiar with Betty's voicemail? Well, I called Betty a couple of times to try to uh, get the, the records. Um, but when the, when they were there actually scanned of the records, she exchanged business cards with Michelle, who was one of the representatives. Have you spoken with Betty? No, okay. she's not responded Maybe to me. get a hold of her. No. All right. And uh, can we go to the next slide, please?
And what is this document again? So this document is created at Runbeck, and this records the the total count of the ballots that are received from the MechTech delivery truck. Mm -hmm. Um, And so break this down into a couple of different ways. Um, You know, the post office inbound is separated because, of course, those are those are slightly different ballots. And we're not really talking about those today. Um, But the regular MOB is the, the mail ballots. Right. So that would be the green envelopes. And then you'll see down at the at the bottom the uh, CTR. That's the vote center uh, ballots. Those are the white envelopes for early in person voting. Okay. All right. And uh, what do these documents really tell you? So these document these documents record re- the number of ballots that are received at Runbeck. So again, this is created at Runbeck, and you'll see like in the in the line here this this. Document is dated uh, 11-6, and it is the precise number of pieces of regular MOB and the precise number of pieces of the CTR. And that's because they copy this information from the um, the delivery receipt form, that half sheet that's generated at MEC, and then um, this form accompanies it. And, and again, they keep a copy of it, and the other copy goes back to with the driver to um, to Maricopa County to document that, in fact, he did take the ballots as he was supposed to, delivered them to the possession of Runbeck and uh, completes that chain of custody. Okay, okay so these then are created by Runbeck when Maricopa County officials drop ballots off at their third parties. Correct. It's the driver, though, so it's not like actually the record or anybody doing that delivery. Understood. And so Runbeck employees, they simply estimate the number of ballots? Uh, no, just to make sure. For the post office inbound, mm-hmm. what happens is they, the driver, if they're, you know, stops. The, sometimes he makes a special delivery, but sometimes he also stops on the way. So he'll go to the U.S. Postal Facility. for the ballots to Maricopa County, the driver goes to the facility in Phoenix and then he loads the trays of mail ballots onto the truck and then that is taken to um, to Runbeck and for those ballots, they count the number of trays, number of postal trays and they S that. Um, there is a receipt uh, that accompanies the, the post office ballots, but Maricopa County does not use that to record the precise number. However, uh, they started preserving that at Runbeck. Okay, so Runbeck has started preserving documents obtained from the United States Postal Service. We how many ballots the U.S. Postal Service was transferring to Maricopa County's care and control? Objection, Your Honor. Is that your understanding? Hold on, there's an objection. The witness said the post office provides estimates, not counts of the number of ballot packages. Shaking her head, no, Your Honor, that that's not what she said. What she said. Well, that's fine. I'll ask the question. Rephrase it another way. Thank you. Based upon your knowledge, training, experience with respect to Maricopa County chain of custody and uh, election-related mail ballots, uh, do you know if the Postal Service provides receipts showing the exact number of mail-in ballots that the United States Postal Service is transferring to Maricopa County? 
Right. Yes. The answer to that is it is my understanding that they do. They tuck them into trays. So it's, again, my understanding that they're difficult to find, but it, that's how they base how much they're going to charge. That's like how they bill for the postage. So that's how it, that's how they. Seat, or at least the Maricopa County driver, it's a receipt from the Postal Service that says essentially how many pieces of mail ballots were delivered to Maricopa County driver, correct? That is my understanding. Does the county maintain those documents? So to, to my knowledge, they didn't turn any over to us. So let me let me just start with that. We didn't receive any in response to our, our request for those public records. Um, but it's also my understanding that um, that the Runbeck employees um, attempted to, um, to return them to uh, Maricopa County, and they said they didn't need them. Okay. And so is there any way to tell, other than this inbound receipt given by Runbeck, driver, exactly how many ballots left Maricopa County were picked up at the post office and actually delivered a run back? Well, on this form here um, on 11-6, you can see that they have a precise count. But unfortunately, on election day, because we're not using the other chain of custody documents that we described, they were this was the one and only form that was uh, that was used um, to again the, the records requests that were produced for us, and uh, based on the uh, Runbeck employees who uh, described receiving these tr- the trucks coming with no corresponding documentation. Thank you. Um, thank you, Miss Honey. And so I would like to uh, exhibit this excuse. Oh, this is PowerPoint. Yeah, go to sixty six. Sixty six. Sixty six. Thank you. If you look at the screen, Miss Honey, <laughs> these look like the Maricopa audit challenges receipts. Yes. Okay. I'd move uh, to admit Exhibit 66 into the record, Your Honor. No objection. 66 is admitted. Thank you. Okay, go back to. These look like the Maricopa audit challenges receipts. Yes. Okay. I'd move uh, to admit Exhibit 66 into the record, Your Honor. No objection. 66 is admitted. Thank you. Okay, go back to the PowerPoint. Miss Honey. How many ballots the Maricopa County claim they received on election day that were not tabulated on? Um, so um, on uh, the morning after the election, they reported that there had been 275,000. I think that uh, Stephen Richer said approximately 275,000 uh, drop box ballots had been dropped off on election day. 
Uh, did that number change? That number did change. What's the number now? Um, I believe that that, that um, the number went from the 275 on the 9th. Um, they also had a press conference um, during which the press at the conference uh, uh, recorder, Richard, also talked about what an extraordinary number the 275 was. Miss Honey, that was not my question. My question was, what is the number now? I believe they ultimately said it was uh, 292,000 that had been dropped off at Dropboxes. As you sit here today, how many of those have legal chain of custody? Based on the documents uh, provided, none. On our objection calls for conclusion. Rule 701. Wait, wait, wait. You're on her, according to her understanding, from what she's experienced and observed, what's her number? Yes, you're on. If you can answer it, go ahead and answer it. Yeah, so we, we reviewed all of the documents uh, provided by Maricopa County in response to our requests, and uh, the answer is that none of the, the documents are No. You... Uh, you had the opportunity to talk to somebody for unbacked following this. I did. And did you have an opportunity to read that uh, that Runbeck employee's declaration? I did. All right. And so um, I would like to. Uh, let's see here. Well, now if I can find her. Forty-six. And while he's holding this up, Your Honor, may I ask the court a quick procedural question? Go ahead. When we began this morning, Your Honor noted that it would be unduly difficult to get this many witnesses through, so it said it was going to admit the declarations. Uh, with the exception of Kurt Olson's, that were attached to the complaint, Your Honor. And I'll say that. Oh, well, I'm sorry. Then I misunderstood. I know what I said, but I know where you're going. You want to admit those now? I would like to, yes, Your Honor, admit Leslie White and uh, Ms. White's was Denise Marie and Leslie White. And those are listed as uh, Denise Marie is Exhibit 46, Leslie White is Exhibit 47. Okay. Yes, Mr. Liddy. Objection hearsay, Your Honor. Very well. Objections were preserved. These are two of the ones that I had listed specifically this morning and told you that I needed the numbers. Now I have the numbers for at least two of these. Okay, so your objections are all preserved. All three defendants have joined. They were in writing under the Rule 807 notice. And so over your objection, I'm going to admit 46 and 47. Thank you, Your Honor. Um, Ms. Honey, the Rundeck employee, did she tell you that? Having some issues with uh, RSBN sound. So I'm going to switch back to the court uh, website. She expressed her. Just give me one sec.
Uh, do you know if the Postal Service provides receipts showing the exact number of mail-in ballots that the United States Postal Service is transferring to Maricopa Right. Yes. The answer to that is it is my understanding that they do. They tuck them into trays. So it's, again, my understanding that they're difficult to find. But it, that's how they base how much they're going to charge. That's like how they bill for the postage. So that's how it, that's how they got it. And of course they have like machines that do that at the post office. Okay. And so Maricopa County then gets a receipt or at least the Maricopa County driver gets a receipt from the postal service as essentially how many pieces of mail ballots were delivered Maricopa County driver, correct? That is my understanding. Does the county maintain those documents? So to, to my knowledge, they didn't turn any over to us. So let me, let me just start with that. We didn't receive any in response to our, our request for those public records. Um, but it's also my understanding that, um, that the Runbeck employees, um, attempted to, um, to return them to, uh, Maricopa County and they said they didn't need them. Okay. And so is there any way to tell other than this inbound receipt given by Runbeck? driver, exactly how many ballots left Maricopa County were picked up at the post office and actually delivered a run back? Well, on this form here um, on 11-6, you can see that they have a precise count. But unfortunately, on Election Day, because we're not using the other chain of custody documents that we described, they were, this was the one and only form that was, uh, that was used, um, to again, the, the records requests that were produced for us. And, uh, based on the, uh, Runbeck employees who, uh, described receiving these, tr- the trucks coming with no corresponding documentation. Thank you. Um, thank you, Miss Honey. And so I would like to, uh, exhibit says, Oh, this PowerPoint? Actually, yeah, I go to 66. Okay. It's gone on that screen. Are you on 66? 66. Thank you. Thanks. If you look at the screen, Miss Honey, these look like the Maricopa audit challenges receipts. Yes. Okay. I'd move uh, to admit Exhibit 66 into the record, Your Honor. No objection. 66 is admitted. Thank you. Okay. Go back to the PowerPoint. Miss Honey. How many ballots the Maricopa County claim they received on election day that were not tabulated by? Um, so I think that I think your question is how many drop off ballots did they report? Yes. So initially, um, on uh, the morning after the election, they reported that there had been 275,000. I think that uh, Stephen Richer said approximately 275,000 uh, Dropbox ballots had been dropped off on Election Day. 
Um, did that number change? That number did change. What is the number now? Um, I believe that that, that um, the number went from the 275 on the 9th. Um, they also had a press conference um, during which the press at, at the conference uh, uh, recorder, Richard, also talked about what an extraordinary number the 275 was. Miss Honey, that was not my question. My question was, what is the number now? I believe they ultimately said it was uh, 292,000 that had been dropped off at drop boxes. As you sit here today, how many of those ballots have legal chain of custody? Based on the documents expo- uh, pr- provided, none. Honor objection calls for conclusion. Rule 701. Wait, wait, wait. You're on her, according to her understanding, from what she's experienced and observed, what's her number? Yes, you're on. If you can answer it, go ahead and answer it. Yeah, so we, we reviewed all of the documents uh, provided by Maricopa County in response to our requests. And uh, the answer is that none of the, the documents that they created meet the requirements from the EPM. No. Guys, how's the sound on this one? You uh, you had the opportunity to talk to somebody for unback following this. I did. And have you had an opportunity to read that uh, that Runbeck employee's declaration? I did. All right. And so um, I would like to uh, let's see here. Well, now if I can find her. Okay, so it's better than RSBN. We'll keep this one. And while he's holding this up, Your Honor, may I ask the court a quick procedural question? Go ahead. When we began this morning, Your Honor noted that it would be unduly difficult to get this many witnesses through, so it said it was going to admit the declarations, uh, with the exception of Kurt Olson's, that were attached to the complaint, Your Honor. And I'll say that. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. Then I misunderstood. I know what I said, but I know where you're going. You want to admit those now? I would like to, yes, Your Honor, admit Leslie White and uh, Ms. White was Denise Marie and Leslie White. And those are listed as uh, Denise Marie is Exhibit 46, Leslie White is Exhibit 47. Sorry, guys. So it appears what happened yes. is that the, uh, the the court website is about five ten minutes behind. So RSBN, their stream uh, is is like in real time. So it's kind of a repeat of the last five minutes. But I want to I want to say this while we have a chance. Uh, there's people in the chat, you know, saying that Carrie Lake has to prove fraud in order to win, meaning intent. And that's not the case. If you go back and look at the judge's order on the dismissal, he quotes Arizona statute and says, irregularities in directory matters, even though gross, if not fraudulent, will not void an election, right? But he says, unless they affect the result or at least render it uncertain. Okay, so you don't have to prove fraud. 
You just have to prove that gross negligence happened on more ballots than the margin of victory. So if you lack chain of custody on almost 300,000 ballots, that would constitute a new election. Okay? And uh, what I gave you is a direct quote from the judge. So I think this has already been a slam dunk. All right, now let me go ahead and play that audio again. ...extends to any hearsay testimony that this witness will offer in addition to what may or may not be in the declaration. Your Honor, the county joins that objection. Which exhibit was in it? This is... This is... um, Denise Marie or... or Yes, Denise Marie 46. 46. And Your Honor, I'm not asking any questions outside the scope of this declaration. Your Honor, if the declaration is in evidence, it's it's in evidence now over our objection. This witness shouldn't be able to repeat hearsay again and, and in a sense, put words, put Ms. Marie's words into her own mouth that Ms. Marie said that said them herself in the declaration. The court can consider Ms. Marie's declaration, giving it whatever weight it deems fit. But to have this witness repeat what is already hearsay again, I think, is inappropriate. OK, we're not going to go back and forth. Here's here's I believe. As I told Mr. Olson earlier, the court does not pronounce somebody an expert, but if they're testifying and they have information, text, uh, experience or, or, uh, education beyond that of the trier of fact, it's instructive or informative. And this witness I find meets that if she's relying upon this, which she has just said to formulate her opinions, let her do that. I understand the objection is is that it's hearsay, but that's going to be something that you can cross-examine. For instance, if that's incorrect, then you're – I'm not going to tell you how to cross-examine. You already understand all of that. So, Mr. Payton, proceed, please. Okay, so lack of chain of custody was one of her concerns? It was. Um, you talked to Leslie White as well? I did. Was lack of chain of custody one of her concerns? Yeah, so Leslie was actually an observer at uh, MECTEC on an election night when the um, uh, ballots were received back from the drop boxes. And um, her concern was that uh, specifically the, um, the seals were being removed from the transport containers um, and the ballots inside were not counted. Uh, she you know, that was a requirement as she understood it. And the fact that they were just taking those ballots out of the transport containers without counting them um, was was her primary concern. And then, okay, so we have two different people you have spoken to working in two different places, correct? Correct. One's here at Runbeck, the third party vendor, and one's here at McTech, right? C-Tech? All right. And both of them are both telling you that there is no chain of custody on election day for ballots being transported from MC Tech to Runback. Is that correct? Correct. They weren't following the, the legal requirements for chain of custody. So there were seals on the containers um, when they transported them, but the, the specific issues were that they were just cutting them open, taking the ballots out, putting them in trays without regard to how many, or, and there was no documentation. Um, there were handbags and purses um, where they were processing the, um, the the ballots. That was a con- uh. All right. Um, with respect to 
With respect to, sorry, I just lost my chain of thought. With respect to Denise White, Denise White, uh, did she have other concerns with you regarding potential vulnerabilities with our election system in Maricopa County? Yeah, so she, I mean, two two issues, right? So the first one was that the the the, the trucks were coming with ballots that there was no uh, no associated count, right? So that was number one. They just didn't know how many they were were should have had. Um, so she was concerned about that. But then after the election, um, on the evening of November 9th, right? So November eighth is election day. November 9th in the evening, um, she was called by her supervisor and asked to go down to the system and actually pull the total number of, ba- of ballot packets that had gone through the system to provide a count to Maricopa County. Why? Well, I, I, I don't know. Hearsay on this as well. I would draw the question. <laughs> Improper, I admit. Okay. Um, and so... And that is to go find what the numbers are to report those to Maricopa County because they don't know. Objection, Your Honor, again, foundation. Is that what she told you? County joins. Yeah. Great. What I told you before, I'm going to assume all the defendants join the other objections that you've made. Okay. And your objection is speculation or? Your Honor, I guess foundation and speculation. And I I just want to make clear that we have a continuing objection to any of these continued hearsay conversations that this witness is relaying. So noted. Um, I'm almost done, Your Honor. Pardon me? I'm almost done, Your Honor. <laughs> that doesn't take care of this question. I was going to say, Your Honor, that the question was, what did she say and then why? And now we're getting into this witness's motivations, which is now beyond hearsay and pure speculation and lacks foundation. My understanding was it was calling for this witness to speculate about why Maricopa County did something. And so rephrase the question. Did this witness tell you that she was concerned about how Maricopa County was conducting operations with respect to drop box ballots? Yes. Did this witness, Denise, did she also tell you about possible vulnerabilities where people can inject ballots into this system? Right. So what she said that uh, Runbeck employees were permitted, almost like it was a perk of employment, to bring their ballots from home. So their their ballots from home, their family members' ballots, bring them from home and add them to the inbound scans. She called the agents. Is that uh, is that consistent with Arizona law? No. So. Uh, You're asking for her understanding, correct? Yes, Your Honor. Your understanding, ma'am, if you can answer it based on that. It is my understanding that ballots must be returned to an authorized uh, drop-off location. Maricopa County publishes a list of those authorized drop-off locations, and uh, Runbeck Elections is not one of those. All right. Are you familiar with with these uh, social media posts I put up here? I am. Okay. Uh, and this is, uh, these are tweets by Maricopa County Elections Department, correct? Correct. Okay. Uh, I'd move to admit these are, uh, Your Honor, Exhibit 63. <clears throat> Mr. Blem, can you bring this back up on the screen? I, I want to be sure. Oh, I apologize. I 
I didn't take it off that. I think we need to go back to Pedersen. Sure, I'm looking. Give the defendants a yes, moment to look at them. Any objection? Mr. Blum, I'm sorry, I can't read it. You're averring that that's an actual tweet from Just Stephen Richards, right? I didn't have my, my witness read it. No, I, 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 I'm just a little bit 11. 63, Saracopa County. No objection, no objection. He might have Very well, that was 63 that would be admitted. It's Are you familiar, uh, Your Honor? Hold on. Can we we can believe it's the number. You believe it's 70? Your Honor? That's 63. 63? Those, those are not. That's not Stephen Richard. Did I say that was Stephen Richard? 70? It's, I'm, is there I'm looking at 63. I pull them up as you discuss them. That's 70. Yeah, 70 is Stephen Richard's quote. Okay. Which so one are we discovered on the sheet we received? I'm sorry, Your Honor. Which one are we moving, Mr. Blem? I am... Oh, I, you know, I think I might have written these down backwards, Your Honor. I'm going to move in Exhibit 70. No. Well, before, you, before you're going to get to 63, I think that you looked at 63, defendants, correct? Did you have any objection to 63? Your Honor, I have not looked at 63, but I did look at 70, and we have no objection to 70. Take a look oh, at is this. this 63 right here? Okay. Just one moment. Thank you. No objection, Your Honor. Are you moving 63 and 70 into evidence, Mr. Yes, Blank? Sure. Okay. They're admitted. Thank you. Okay, and so this is a... Oh. 63. 70 or 63? Um, 63. 63. Huh? 63. That's, that's 63. That's 63. Are you familiar with the tweets that are up here from uh, Stephen... Uh, Yes. And is this where he was saying uh, there were $275,000? Yeah, this was a series of tweets um, uh, sort of uh, after the, ele- the day after the election where he explains that they had processed all of the ballots and transferred them to run back. And again, it was uh, 275 thousand was the number he says over 275 275 plus um obviously it's a round number right it's it's, it's zero 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 so um you know and it's a, you may um in this tweet mr I'm, I'm sorry recorder richard says last night from midnight to 5 a.m we sorted those 275 plus thousand documents were ballots so they could be scanned in and image captured at Brunbeck. Correct. Signature captured. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Does that indicate that those ballots had already been sent to Runback at some point at that time or some point after? Objection, Your Honor, speculation and foundation. If they had. It speaks for itself. Mr. Richard was on the stand. They could have. I was going to withdraw the question. No, withdrawn. withdrawn. Thank you. Good, Andy. Did they count these ballots before they put them in a truck and sent them to run them? There are no foundation again. Which ballots? Um, rephrase, please. Two hundred seventy-five. Uh, Mr. Richard's talking about. 
Same uh, objection. I'm sorry. Rephrase the whole question for the witness, please. Okay. Do you have any evidence they counted these ballots before they put them in a truck, departed from the Maricopa County facility with ballots from Maricopa County residents and delivered them to a third party? No, there's no record that they counted any of them. Thank you. Did Maricopa County, knowing we had these claims, come here with their exhibits saying, hey, look, no harm, no foul. Sorry, we got them to you late. Your Honor, yes or no? Hold on. Okay, I'll, I'll strike David that. David for closing. Back. Sustained. Did you, Miss Honey, have a chance to review the documents Maricopa County submitted as exhibits before this court? Yes. Did they provide those missing documents? They did not. Did they provide any documents that will allow them or their witnesses to sit up here before this court and do the math. Your Honor, speculation and foundation. She has reviewed. You can rephrase it by saying to her knowledge. To your knowledge. Miss Honey. Will they be able to put witnesses up before this court and do the math based on their own disclosures? And did you no, uh, to my uh, to my knowledge, no. And I will like to also expand that that we looked at the chain of custody documents that they did use on election day, which are um, those are called the precinct ballot reports. And the precinct ballot reports are really the chain of custody for those voted ballots that that come from the vote center on election day. Um, and and it also includes, by the way, a count of the door three ballots. Um, those documents, uh, which I on one of these exhibits here. Objection. Your Honor, I want to move to strike everything that witness just said about the precinct-based ballots as being completely non-responsive to the question. I'm uh, sorry. Re-ask the question. I'm too busy trying to follow, take notes, and keep up with the two of you. Re-ask a question. The, uh, well, but to you, to use an old an old adage, uh, that's that's a road we're getting ready to hoe, Your Honor. So we'll just start from scratch and then we'll go down that road. And so I believe uh, we pulled up what has been marked as Exhibit 65. What is that document, Miss Honey? This is an example of a precinct ballot report. Precinct ballot report. What are they? These are the documents, uh, according to the Maricopa County Poll Worker Training um, and the Poll Worker Manual. These are the, docu- the documents that are used when they close the polling places to provide chain of custody for the voted ballots that are, uh, you know, voted on election day. In addition to that, the poll worker training requires the poll workers to uh, empty the the drop boxes of all of the early voting ballots and place those in a container. And of course there's, there's no counting of those ballots. Uh, and there's no, there's nowhere on this form to record um, a number is the point of this. Yes, honey. In, anywhere in this form, can you find, well, I'm gonna withdraw that straight there. Um, did you have a chance to review each and every one of these documents? I did. You did. 
on any one of those for election day, did you see any documentation of Dropbox ballots and the number of ballots contained within the Dropbox? Uh, definitely not the number of ballots. Uh, the seal numbers that were put on those containers are on here, but uh, there's no ballot counts. All right. And so if I look at the vote totals for tabulary, tabulator one, 494 in this example, and tabulator two, 384 in that example, that's how many ballots were contained in the black bag. Is that correct? Uh, correct. If they followed the procedure, the, the misread ballots, uh, the, the 101. Millions of people every day are reaping the health benefits of using cannabis oil, also known as CBD. This new product derived from hemp has fascinated doctors and scientists around the world for its powerful effects on the human body. If you are in need of alternative methods for health empowerment, please visit www.naturalhempoil.com. That's www.naturalhempoil.com. CBD is now legal in over 40 states, and our products are non-psychoactive and contain less than 0.3% THC levels. We also offer products for household pets. NaturalHempOil.com does not claim to treat cancer, PTSD, epilepsy, anxiety, insomnia, joint pain, eczema, or any chronic condition that you may have been diagnosed with. Please consult with a doctor before you take CBD. Results may vary, so give our natural CBD a try at www.NaturalHempOil.com. That's www.NaturalHempOil.com. When it comes to stubborn belly fat, we're all searching for a miracle pill which may never exist. But believe it or not, I may have found the next best thing. It's called Belly Trim, and it's more effective at targeting belly fat, enhancing metabolism, and promoting a toned midsection better than most weight management products I've seen typically found on store shelves. Tens of thousands of five-star reviewers can't be wrong. Simply place your order now to get 51% off along with many other free bonuses before they sell out by going to www.trimwithus.com. That's www.trimwithus.com. www.trimwithus.com. Order now. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. That's why tens of thousands are using this amazing little device from SavePowerBills.com. It's a small but smart gadget that stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your electronics. Just plug it into your home's wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Order now to get 65% off plus many free bonuses before they sell out by going to SavePowerBills.com. That's SavePowerBills.com. Order now. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. That's why tens of thousands are using this amazing little device from SavePowerBills.com. It's a small but smart gadget that stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your electronics. Just plug it into your home's wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Order now to get 65% off plus many free bonuses before they sell out by going to SavePowerBills.com. That's SavePowerBills.com. Order now. Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Between mass shootings, homicides, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjacking, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare Flashlight. The Fighter Flare Flashlight includes an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass-breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope and wire cutter, siren, high and low LED lighting mode, and much more. Simply place your order now to get 66% off along with many other free bonuses before they sell out by going to www.fighterflare.com. Order now at www.fighterflare.com fighterflare.com
uh, would have been uh, transported separately in that blue tote as well. All right. If if Recorder Richer hypothetically were to testify that, oh, no, I'm not responsible for drop boxes on election day, would that be accurate? It, it's my understanding, according to the EPM, that it specifically makes the recorder or the recorder's designee responsible for uh, the secure retrieval of ballots deposited in drop boxes. So it would be my understanding that that applies um, to Election Day. There is no exception to the requirements for Election Day. All right. Thank you, Miss Honey. Oh, I would. Oh, now I forgot what exhibit it is, Your Honor. Exhibit uh, number 65, I move it into evidence. Any objection? Any objection? Uh, no, no objection. No objection, Your Honor. 65 is admitted. Thank you. You had an opportunity to review some of Recorder Richter's emails. Is that not correct? Yes. All right. And uh, I'm looking for them on my list right now, but uh, they're on the PowerPoint. What? They're on the PowerPoint. Oh, they're on the PowerPoint. Thank you, Miss Hun. Did you want to finish your PowerPoint? <laughs> All right. I just want, don't want, um, I don't want Miss Honey to be duplicative, duplicative for the court. Um, but but I do kind of want to. I, I think I think Recorder Richard's email is exceptionally important, and I believe I I moved this into evidence earlier, Your Honor. What is it? What number? Richard's uh, yes. What is the court's designated exhibit number? 69. I think on it earlier this year. Yeah. Oh, these are uh, 69, Your Honor. I think it was a minute earlier. Okay, yeah, they're big. This morning, Your Honor. I think it's already admitted admitted this morning. Go to go to the last page in this exhibit. Miss Honey. Aside from making guesses, did recorder Richard, based on documents, really know exactly how many ballots Maricopa County had in his possession? Objection. Um, so it calls for her speculation. And recorder Richard was on the stand this morning. He could have asked the recorder that. I believe it did, Your Honor. And my question was related to based on county documents. 
Does Mr. Recorder Richard have any clue as to how many ballots he has aside from an estimate? Based on county records. And I make the same objection that it calls for speculation, Your Honor, as to what Recorder Richard how he understands county documents. Right. I believe the question can be phrased in terms of does any of the documentation show or provide a method where someone, any county person would know. Does any of the documentation show that Recorder Richard had any idea how many ballots he had um, on election day other than, you know, Mira? Yes. No. The exhibit on the board. What does that say? It's an email from uh, from Stephen Richer. It uh, looks like it's uh, Thursday the 10th, so two days after the election. And he says he's unable to reconcile. Basically, there's a 15,000 difference somewhere. Um, and. Uh, OK. Unable to reconcile. The number he throws out is 15,000, though, right? Uh, yeah, don't know where these come from. Is that any way to run an election, Miss Honey? Objection, Your Honor. I want to, to the extent the editorial comment was embedded in that question, it should be stricken. Which part of the question? I, I, I Your Honor, I can't even remember what the, the exact wording was. It was. I, I can't either, Your Honor. <laughs> <laughs> one, one long week. Maybe if we could re-ask the question, we could avoid the. Objection. I don't even remember what it was, Your Honor. I'm, I'm going to re-ask it. The, <clears throat> All right, so we had a little problem there where when I switched from RSBN to the court uh, stream, it threw us back a couple minutes, but it it, it was actually my fault. <laughs> so we there's a 15-minute break here. Uh, I took that opportunity to try to get us up to speed so we can watch this in real time. And I really appreciate you guys for sticking with me because <coughs> there was a little bit of a repeat there. So, uh, yeah, this part of the hearing, very interesting, very interesting. The first half was an absolute bombshell, an absolute massacre. Carrie Lake uh, proved that uh, effectively there was, the, I mean, the reason for the, the, the ballot printers uh, printing ballots that wouldn't be run through the machines was not necessarily because of a calibration issue, but because they were manipulating the ballot image from 20 inches to 19 inches. And that's why the machines were spitting them back out. That's a pretty big damn revelation there. We also had Mr. Uh, Stephen Richer effectively caught lying under oath, lying under oath, uh, Carrie Lake, Put this out on Twitter. She said, according to the Arizona Elections Procedure Manual, Stephen Richer was lying when he testified under oath that he was not responsible for oversight of the drop boxes on Election Day. So, as you've noticed, um, Stephen Richer, he tried to pass the buck back to the county and say that, you know, he wasn't he wasn't in charge of that, trying to put the culpability on Maricopa County. Well, well, according to Kerry Lake, that doesn't pass the smell test. It was his responsibility to maintain the chain of custody on those Dropbox ballots. And what we heard from the 
witness in this half is that all, not some, but all of the ballots that were dropped off, mail-in ballots dropped off on Election Day, lack any chain of custody whatsoever. Okay, looks like we are back up. Coming back from the recess. And so... Everybody's taking their seats. I'm, I'm trying to get this so that it plays in real time. I think I think we have it right because I'm looking at RSBN and they are still on break. So this is this is actually live now. Man, this is exhausting, guys. Six hours. You can imagine my brain's pretty fried here. But as I said before, the chain of custody issue alone should make this a win for Carrie. All right, we are back on the record in CV 2022-095-403. This is Lake versus Hobbs et al. Present are the parties of the representatives in council. We have uh, Ms. Heather Honey on the stand remaining under oath, and we're ready to begin the cross-examination. You may proceed whenever you're... You're ready. Thank, thank you, Your Honor. Good afternoon, Ms. Honey. Afternoon. And uh, thank you for being here today at this trial. Um, I know that all the parties appreciate your attendance. Uh, I just have a few questions um, for you. Um, it, it's obvious to me that you've done a lot of work to try to understand elections, and that's you know more than what a lot of citizens do. But would you agree with me that election law is a complicated area of law? I would agree with that. And there are a lot of complexities to running an election. Would you agree with that? Yes. Okay. Um, Have you ever taken the election officer certification course um, that's offered by the Secretary of State? I have not. Have you ever worked as an election official in Arizona? No. Have you ever worked as a poll worker in Arizona? No. Have you ever um, been an observer at McTech, observing the processes there? And by observer, I mean an election day observer or um, a ballot count observer, an observer in official capacity at McTech. No, I've never been a credentialed observer at McTech. Okay. You've been to McTech, though, correct? Um, uh, yeah, sort of. Sort of. Not that I've not gotten a tour, if that's what you mean. I mean, I've been there, but I haven't gotten a tour. Okay. All right. Um, now, you testified that you didn't receive certain forms in response to your public records request, correct? Correct. Okay. And is it fair to say that because you didn't receive those forms, you're assuming that they do not exist? No, quite the contrary. I know they exist. They exist in more than one copy. Uh, um, I know that they exist at Runbeck because uh, I've seen photographs of them. So I I know they exist. And in fact, the, e- the email correspondence between the attorney for, for Ms. Lake and uh, the, your office was that, hey, if you can't find yours, your copy, could you get the copy at Runbeck for us? Okay. So you know the forms exist. They just haven't been provided to you. They haven't been provided in about three weeks. Okay. Um, and Ms. Honey, I will let you know that 
we we believe you're being honest that you don't believe you've received them. We take a different position. Do you think it's possible that um, you were provided them and you simply missed them in the, the large stack of documents that you were offered to review? Absolutely not. Okay. All right. Um, have you ever observed, I'm sorry, have you ever observed the ballot pickup at the post office when the Maricopa County employees come, the elections department employees come and pick up the ballots to transport to run back? Have you ever been there to observe that? I'm sorry, when they pick up the ballots at the post office? At the post office. Uh, no, but I did actually speak to three people at the Phoenix Postal Facility. But you've never personally observed that? I have not personally observed that. Um, Your Honor, I'm, I apologize for interrupting, but I believe we have the rule to uh, exclude from the courtroom any testifying non-expert witnesses, and I believe one of those witnesses just entered. Mr. Sonnefer, okay. I believe. I have to rule, rely on counsel for that. I don't... What's the question? You need to leave. <laughs> <laughs> He's been sitting there for the last hour. I did not see him, Your Honor. I was focused this way. Um, I believe the attention was brought to opposing counsel, and and he thought it was Mr. Barris, but it was not. I don't know who the gentleman is. I I wasn't privy to your conversation. I just know that gentleman's been sitting there for the last hour plus. But so... uh, I don't believe it was intentional. I believe you're like me. You're, you're intent and focused on what's in front of you. So I'm not casting any aspersions. I'm just, let's all be more astute. I guess that's the best I can do. Thank you for pointing it out. Thank you, Your Honor. Go ahead and proceed. Thank you, Your Honor. Um, now, Ms. Honey, I believe you testified earlier. Correct me if I have this wrong, but I believe you testified earlier that the United States Postal Service provides an exact count of the ballots that are picked up by the elections department staff. Was that your testimony? So I think what I said was that in the trays, they include a receipt, uh, which basically uh, is like a bill. Um, how many ballots were, and it includes like the total amount of postage um, on that form. And it's actually tucked into the trays. I, I have some photographs of that as well. Okay, and you said they put it in. You mean United States Postal Service employees? That is my understanding. Prepare the receipt and put it in. Okay, and is it your understanding that that receipt includes an exact number of ballots for that tray? Um, I don't believe it's for the tray. I think it's for the entire, like, pickup. For the entire pickup. Right, okay. so however many trays are included. It's not a It's not a one-for-one, like, like this is how many are in this tray. I think it's the whole, it's my, that's my understanding. Would it, would it surprise you to learn that the United States Postal Service actually weighs the trays and makes an estimated determination based on the weight of the tray? Um, well, that would, I mean, obviously that, that's a great way to do it. Weight counting is a very effective way of, um, a method of counting paper. Okay. Thank you. Um, I want to talk with you for just a minute about, um, the woman who I believe is identified as Denise Marie. Do you know who I'm speaking about? I do. Okay. Um, and I believe you testified that she was an employee at Runbeck. Is that right? She still is an employee at Runbeck. Okay. Um, do you know how long she's been employed there? Um, 
I, I think probably close to a year, but uh, with uh, you'd have to look at her declaration just to be certain. I, I, I'm not 100% sure. Okay. Um, do you know what her position is? Um, I know what her position, well, no. Um, uh, all right, I want to, I want to talk with you about Leslie White. And again, when I say Leslie, you know to whom I'm referring. I do. Okay. Um, I believe you testified that she was an observer at McTech. Is that correct? Correct. Um, do you know whether she was a first-time observer, whether she was a repeat observer, what her, her background is with regard to the observation process? Um, I, I believe she said that that was the first time that she had been credentialed uh, to observe uh, that particular process, right? So that was a little bit different than like the MECTEC observers who are watching, say, signature verification, for example, which I believe she she also uh, witnessed that process. But this was unique in that she was credentialed to watch that sort of incoming uh, close of election night process. But your belief is she was a first time observer. Uh, I believe that was the first time she observed that process. If that's what you're asking, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, 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 that's that's fine. Um, did she by any chance mention to you that from her assigned location where she was at, um, she did not have a clear view of the activities on the truck or on the dock. Right. Okay. Um, <clears throat> do you agree with me when I say that Leslie White did not actually say in her declaration that she was worried that ballots were not being counted, that she didn't actually say that I'm worried ballots are not being counted. I, I, are you asking if that was if those were her words specifically I'm in her? I'm going to object, Your Honor. The the declaration speaks for itself. <laughs> you can ask the question related to the to this her uh, her statement, but I I thought there was testimony as well about conversations with people. So would it which re ask it, Mr. Larue? Would you agree with me that Ms. White, Leslie White, never actually said uh, in her declaration or to you that she was worried that ballots were not being counted? She most certainly said to me that, the, that she saw the seals being removed, the transport containers being opened, and there was absolutely, that's in her word, absolutely no counting of the ballots. They were simply picking them up out of the transport container and putting them into trays and then putting those trays onto like what she was calling a cage or a cart and uh, that they were just moving these through. She was concerned about that. Yeah. Um, so in her declaration, she doesn't say that. She says, and I'm, I'm wondering if she said any of this to you. She was concerned with the disorganized way the ballots were being handled. Um, she said, I did not see any person count any ballots or record any information. I didn't see it, but she didn't say it didn't happen. When she spoke with you, did she talk about what she saw and what she observed or was she making statements beyond that? 
So I think you're mischaracterizing what she said. But if you would like me, if, if you have a copy of her statement, I'd be happy to point out what I'm what I'm talking about. It's all right. We'll move on. Um, I, I want to talk about I want to come back to Denise Marie. Um, you testified that I believe you testified that she told you that um, Runback had. Well, Runback allowed or maybe it just happened. I don't remember exactly what you said, but employees brought in ballots from home. Do you remember talking about that? Yes. Okay. And Denise Marie was concerned about that, correct? Denise was concerned that this that this was uh basically announced as though it was a perk of working at Runbeck and that they were permitted to do it. Uh, she thought it was, uh, you know, in her conversation with me, she thought it was, you know, questionable practice, but, um, but that, you know, people did it. She saw people do it. Did she tell you how many people or how many ballots she estimated might've, might've been subject to this? Yeah. So she said she personally saw at least 50 uh, that were brought in by employees and added at that point. Okay. Thank you. Um, now, continuing on uh, with Denise Marie, um, there was some back and forth between um, Mr. Blem and someone for the defense counsel, and some objections were lodged. And so I'm not sure if you ever answered the question Mr. Blem asked. Um, I believe he asked you if it was true that Denise Marie was asked to go get a ballot count because Maricopa didn't know. Um, did you answer that question? Do you have knowledge as to whether Denise claimed that she was asked to go get a ballot count because Maricopa didn't know? I don't believe that's what she said. Okay. Very good. Um But to clarify, I mean, she was asked to go get a count and report it back so that they could call Maricopa and say, hey, this is how many ballots we we scanned. And subsequently, the number that the county was reporting increased by the same difference. You know, okay. he was reporting 275. She counted the actual number of inbound scans, reported 298. And subsequently, the, the number that, that Maricopa was reporting as the total ballots in the election Increased by twenty five thousand. Let's let's talk about that for a minute. Um, in your experience, just based on your knowledge and in, in working with elections, um, is it typical for elections departments to do reconciliation of ballots, make sure that they have the numbers right? Um, the reconciliation uh, should happen at multiple different places. For example, you reconcile the number of voters who check into a vote center to the number of ballots cast in a vote center. Those types of reconciliation are incredibly important. Okay. And um, well, let's move on from that. I, I want to talk about what happens at Runbeck. Um, do you know what happens to the ballots actually at Runbeck? what the elections department and runback employees do with the ballots there? Yes. What, what do they do? So they run the, they, they load the ballots on the uh, inbound machine and the inbound machine, by the way, is only operated by runback employees. Uh, so they load them on and they go through and they cut them off at about a 10, 11,000 batch size. 
Um, at that point, they they stop. They create the paperwork for that particular you know batch of signature verification files, right? So they're they're scanning the the signature on the envelope. They're creating a file uh, for that that is then um, transmitted to Maricopa County so that they can start that signature verification process. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so. They go to Maricopa County to start the signature verification process. Is it your understanding that before a ballot, an early ballot is tabulated, the elections department has to examine the signature and determine whether the signature matches a signature in the voter registration file? I'm sorry, can you repeat that question? Yeah. Is it your understanding that before an early ballot is tabulated, The elections department looks at the signature on the Mm -hmm. affidavit envelope and must determine whether it matches a signature in the voter registration file for that voter before it's going to go to tabulation. Yes. Okay. So if employees at Runbeck put ballots into the stream at Runbeck, let's say hypothetically that did happen. Is it your understanding that those ballots would then go to McTech to be signature verified? Well, to be clear, the ballots don't go for signature verification. The ballot images do. And yes, when they go through the inbound scan, they would be. But I don't believe that's the point. The point is, is that it's Arizona law says it's they're un, invalid ballots if they're not returned to an authorized location. So that's an opportunity um, to insert ballots. And if Maricopa County was aware of the precise number of ballots, then if they inserted two, they would know they inserted two. So if Arizona... I'm going to object to this line of questioning. This court would not let us come before it with evidence of signature verification. We wanted to. And now he's going right down that road, Your Honor. And if he keeps going down this road, I'm going to ask for a couple of days next week to come to this court and talk about signatures. You mean about the process? The process is part of it, Your Honor. And he's talking exclusively about process. Her direct examination, Your Honor, was limited to talking about chain of custody with respect to Dropbox to Runbeck. And not beyond that point. And so, Your Honor, understand. if that door wants to open, I'm more than happy to drive a truck through it. May I respond, Your Honor? Or do you want to rule? Go ahead. All right. Um, my response would be um, the, the, the road I'm driving down is a different road, I think, than Mr. Blem wants to drive his truck. Um, I'm, I'm talking about what actually happens. Um, and I'm talking about it from the limited perspective of understanding what the effect of these votes that might have been in, may have been inserted at Runbeck would actually be. Um, I'm not really talking about the signature verification process itself. I'm simply talking about what happens to a ballot that is at Runbeck as it moves through the system. Your Honor, may please court, I'll stipulate that those 50 ballots they talked about got counted. But I'll also do so only on the understanding, Your Honor, that that is a concession by defendants that it is possible to inject illegal ballots into the system. 
Your Honor, may I respond one more time? As offered as stipulates out there. I understand, but I think this needs to be cleared up. Mr. Blem's making a legal argument that ballots that are harvested are illegal ballots and should not be counted. That's an illegal, that's a legal argument. Your Honor, I don't believe, I don't believe in my direct examination of this client, I ever even said the word harvested. Mm-hmm. Now, more than happy to talk about it. And as a matter of fact, I believe it was defense counsel who brought up 2000 mules. I haven't said anything about it, Your Honor. I'm talking about chain of custody. The mm-hmm. legal documents the county has. Your Honor, let me let me prove ch- how many ballots they picked up from drop boxes and took to run back. Right. Let me change my statement. I understand it may have inadvertently um, irritated Mr. Blem. I didn't mean to do that with my choice of words, and I apologize. Well, it's not about irritating Mr. Blem. It's just about making sure we're getting it right as far as what each side allowed to go into. So if you want to. Yeah. So let me amend. Let me amend my statement. Um, what I was attempting to say was that Mr. Blem is making a legal argument that a ballot that is not deposited into the United States Postal Service mail or dropped off in a drop box um, is an illegal ballot, I believe is what he said. And that's a legal argument. No, I, I think we're talking about chain of custody, if we could distinguish things. And he did discuss chain of custody very thoroughly with this witness. Um, I believe I understand what you're asking about, but he's, he's correct that what you're discussing is the process for validation of signatures as it would relate to possible injection of ballots in the system without the chain of custody accounting for them. Have I got that right, Mr. Blum? Did I, you listen to what I said? I, I did, Your Honor, but I'm kind of hard of hearing. Well, I'm speaking soft, maybe. Do you want me to say it again? A combination of both, if you would, please, okay, Your Honor. sure. If I've understood your objection, uh, Mr. Blem, it's that uh, you've limited your direct examination to chain of custody and what uh, is being talked about here by Mr. LaRue. The questioning is to elicit testimony about the handling of ballots that might violate the chain of custody if they're into the system and why those ballots would still be subject to verification through the signature validation process regardless of how they came in. Your point is that you are saying, wait, it's only about the chain of custody and if it violates the chain of custody, that's the analysis that you're end end of story. That's where it goes. Yep. What I'm saying is your honor, the direct examination was about chain of custody and the importance of chain of custody. Got that. So that there are no points of access of illegal votes into the system. Well, he's taking words with the word illegal and he's talking about the legal argument. What you're talking about, that there's not, that there are votes that are not accounted for under the chain of custody that are placed into the ballot system or the election system. Um, but and go ahead. I can go that road, Your Honor. It's illegal for a county elections official not to do a job they are legally required to do. So if we want to talk about illegality, we can go into that. I point. understand. I understand your point. But you're objecting to Mr. LaRue going into the, his argument that 
separate and apart from your position there that if in fact ballots were somehow put into the system in this instance where I think we're talking about the run back best. And, and, and your honor, that's fine. I'll let him go down this road. Cause it's my understanding that what he's saying is, yep, you know, their ballots were counted. And so we'll, I'll let him go down this road, your honor, but I'm going to reserve my argument. Well, certainly. Uh, and, and I'm going to talk to you all about closing arguments at the end of the day today. Thank so, you, your honor. Go ahead. Thank you, your honor. Um, uh, just a few more questions, Miss Honey. Um, you're not an attorney, correct? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to ask you a legal question, but you only have to answer if you have an understanding about it. If you don't have an understanding, it's perfectly fine to say, I don't know. Um, are you aware that under Arizona law, a ballot is not uh, not actually unlawful if it is uh, the term that's used sometimes is harvested or ballot collection. But if somebody who is not authorized to handle it deposits it, deposits it, or like what happened at Runbeck, if somebody brings it and inserts it into the stream, but not into an, a designated authorized drop box. Are you aware that under Arizona, inserts it into the stream, but not into an, a designated authorized drop box. Are you aware that under Arizona law that is not actually an unlawful ballot? I think the, the term in the law is an invalid ballot. Okay. Um, just one minute, Your Honor. Mm-hmm. No more questions. Thank you very much, Miss Sunny. Okay. All right. Anyway, just have a moment to confer on this side to see if we have any other questions. Sure, you may. Good afternoon, Ms. Honey. Uh, my name is Andy Gayo, and I represent Secretary Hobbs in her official capacity. I want to echo Mr. LaRue's thanks for being here today. I, I'm going to be Uh, And I may surprise Judge Thompson as well. I'll be very brief. Um, First of all, as you sit here today, you have no evidence that anybody intentionally interfered with the chain of custody of ballots in Maricopa County for the 2022 general election, do you? Well, I don't think I said that anybody interfered with it. I said they failed to maintain their legally required chain of custody. So your, your answer to my question then is yes. You have no evidence that anybody intentionally interfered with the chain of custody for ballots cast in Maricopa County for the 2022 general election, correct? I asked an answer, Your Honor. Well, I didn't hear it. So if you can answer it. Understand it, ma'am. You can ask it. Um, answer it, excuse me. If you need it rephrased, I'll have them rephrase it. Well, I think you're asking a question and sort of say, saying it in a way that I didn't say it. So if you would ask it in maybe a different way, that would be good. Sure. You have no evidence that anybody intentionally did not obey the law with respect to the chain of custody in in Maricopa, with respect to any ballots cast in Maricopa County in 2020 for the 2022 general election. I believe I understand your question, okay. and I would say that somebody, a person, and it's my understanding that the recorder is responsible for maintaining chain of custody, somebody made the decision not to do it. And I would say that when he made that decision, 
knowing what the law is in Arizona, that was and, and an intentional. I'm, and I'm sorry, Miss Honey, but again, that's not what I'm asking. I'm asking whether what evidence you have no evidence that anybody made an intentional decision to do anything here. Correct. Well, I think that the Your Honor, I think this is a yes or no question. Yes, it is. Do, if you understand the question. If you don't understand it, ma'am. I don't understand the question. I think okay. I felt like I answered it. So I'm okay. And then other than the 50 ballots or so that were mentioned in one of the declarations about family members at, at Runbeck, um, you have no evidence that um, any other ballots were, quote unquote, injected into the system at any point in time, correct? Well, unfortunately, because of the. I, I'm sorry, Miss Honey. This, again, it's a yes or no question. Other than those 50, you have no evidence of that, correct? Can you ask the question in a different way? Certainly. There was some discussion earlier that the uh, employee at Runbeck told you, and it's reflected in her declaration, that she estimated that approximately there were approximately 50 ballots of either Runbeck employees or Runbeck employee family members who mm-hmm. dropped off their ballots at the Runbeck facility. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. And my question is, beyond what that particular person told you with respect to those approximately 50 ballots, you have no evidence that any other ballots were quote unquote injected into the system at any point in Maricopa County for the 2022 general election. Is that correct? I could say that's not an answerable question. As you sit here right now, you have, you have nothing else to say on that issue beyond the 50 ballots that were specifically mentioned to you by that individual, correct? No, I have something to say. No, I'm asking about evidence. Do you have evidence? Yes, I think that the no. the failure to have chain of custody makes it impossible to know how many ballots were or were not transferred. But as as you sit here now, the only ones you know about are the 50 that were mentioned to you by the one witness, correct? The only identifiable ballots that you can speak to today are the 50 that were mentioned by the runback witness. I can't identify those 50. I don't okay. know who they are. Thank you. I have nothing further, Your Honor. All right. Done with cross. Yes, Your Honor. I'm sorry. We we have no further questions and uh, we have no objection to the witness being excused. Yes, honey. Do you recall the last question you asked? You you were asked. All right. Is your point that it is impossible to know? if any, and or how many illegal votes were injected into a system without valid chain of custody? Correct. You can't tell how many potentially were added or how many were removed even. I mean, that's the whole point of chain of custody, to have that sort of security and that uh, with without chain of custody, there's, there's no way to know. And, you know, coupled with the, uh, you know, the sort of uh, changing numbers, it's, it's very concerning. All right. Defense counsel asked you if there was any evidence of intentional conduct. You call that? Yes. All right. If I hypothetically have a choice to get a cup of coffee or a cup of water and I choose coffee, I didn't choose water. I have a choice. Yes. Somebody choose a 
either not to make these documents or B, to produce them to my client's attorney. Objection, Your Honor, calls for speculation. I'm assuming you're asking the witness to the extent of her knowledge. The extent of your knowledge, Miss Honey. Yes, I am. Thank you. I'm sorry. Can you ask the question again? Sorry. I forget these real quick, Miss Honey. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And so, Miss Honey, A or B, to the extent of your knowledge, would it be an intentional act for somebody to choose not? To make chain of custody documents to count the number of ballots. Or would it also be an intentional act to choose not to produce the documents that had been created? Well, again, to the extent that that they didn't count them, I think that there's no reason to believe that that they that they did count them or that any doc exists. I believe somebody made a decision not to maintain the chain of custody, not to follow the laws as they're written in the EPM. Somebody had to decide that. Just as I chose to come to court today instead of stay home on the sofa, I made a choice. Thank you. They have a legal requirement, though, don't they, to choose to make these documents? They don't have a choice not to make them, do they? Right. There's no exception in the EPM to... to I believe it was... I believe... Wasn't it... Uh, Where's my exhibit list? I believe Secretary of State Hobbs, as a matter of fact, in a recent matter involving Cochise County, and I think we got correspondence on that as an exhibit. And and, and did you see correspondence from from uh, Secretary of State Hobbs? I did. To, Co- to Cochise County. Yes. Okay. What did, what did she tell them in that correspondence with respect to Arizona law and the EPM? Objection, Your Honor. This is beyond the scope of, of the cross-examination or the direct at this point and irrelevant. It is not, Your Honor. They asked my client specifically if she had any evidence. And I want to make the point, Your Honor, that even their client says you have no, you have no choice. You must follow the law. When she told Cochise County, you must certify your election, Your Honor. Two different questions. In her letter. There's, there's, just to clarify, there's... I'm not sure what the letter says that you're referring to. It says you must what? She told the Board of Supervisors for Cochise County that they have no choice but to do their legal duty oh. and certify the election to make her governor of the state of Arizona. And that my argument here, Your Honor, that that same legal duty applies to Maricopa County with respect to their obligation to follow Arizona law and the elections procedure man. No. Okay. I, you're, you are correct. They're obligated to follow the procedures in the manual. But the question that was asked is whether she has any direct evidence that there was an intentional decision to not make the documents or not produce the documents is what I recall. Okay. And she didn't answer it directly. What she said in response was they're supposed to do this. And the fact that it didn't get done tells me somebody must have made a decision and that was the answer so i think 
it's been asked and answered to the extent that you're going to ask her about a, a, a conclusion of law. That's fair enough. You're um, I only got a few more questions anyway. Please proceed, Mr. Glenn. Um, I, I think if I, if you recall um, cross-examination correctly, I got the impression that uh, defense counsel was sort of downplaying the injection of 50 ballots into the system. Do you recall those questions? I do. I believe they were. Do you have any evidence those 50 votes were not counted or something along those lines? Do you recall that question? I do. Okay. You don't have any evidence that those votes were not counted, do you? I, I don't know which ballots those were. Is that the point? That 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 is the point. I mean, the, Denise said that she observed personally observed fifty. She's not there all the time, so we don't know what that number is. And um, the reason we don't know what number that is is because we don't know how many there were supposed to be. Objection, Your Honor. Speculation, foundation. I agree, Your Honor. That's your point. That's your point. So sustained. <laughs> Can't believe we got to try. That's all we can do, isn't it, Miss Honey? Is speculate, isn't it? Well, I strongly dislike speculating, but uh, I think there's just no way to know the answer, and that's the problem. Any no question I ask you about how many ballots it could have been would be nothing but pure speculation, isn't that right? Correct. And isn't that the problem? Okay. You you testified earlier, and this gets back to their, you know, their, their questions about chain of custody being complicated. Do you recall that? Yes. Is it complicated? I mean, it's more complicated in Maricopa because they outsource it. But, you know, chain of custody is chain of custody. You know, I want to know how many ballots I'm transferring to, from point A to point B. And, um you know, if you understand, I mean, the EAC says it's incredibly important. It's critical for. All right. Now, let's let's go back to your history and your background just just very briefly so I can wrap this up. Supply chain management. What do you do in that area? Um, I do consulting um, in the supply chain space. Again, a lot of it is counter diversion, um, but it's also uh, in terms of loss prevention. OK, loss prevention. All right. And so. Do companies pay, and let's talk about widgets, because everybody likes widgets. Do companies pay millions of dollars every year to consultants to help them with their supply chain management? Your Honor, I'm going to object. It seems to me that this is on the scope of the cross-examination. It is. Your Honor, he asked her specifically, specifically, he asked her, is chain of custody complicated? Your Honor, I don't believe that was my question. I, Hold on. And, and my argument is this, Your Honor. Wait. I, I'm not in the habit of debating objection or rulings on objections. Understood. I'm just going to make a legal argument. But, Which is an argument with the judge about the ruling on the objections. Oh, no. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to argue with the judge. I want to make a challenge to his objection. It may be a distinction. Without a difference, Mr. Platt. All right. Thank you, Your Honor. But if you're ever in a position where I make a ruling and you think that you need to make a offer of proof mm -hmm. to show that I may be mistaken, I will let you do that. 
Okay, but not a back and forth Understood. discussion or argument. Okay, absolutely. So I'd like to make a quick offer of proof right now. Then go ahead and do that. Right. Uh, Heather, honey, do do companies spend millions of dollars a no. year? Wait, <laughs> you're just continuing the questioning. Okay. As far as an offer of proof, I want you to tell me what you expect to prove and how that would make a difference with regard to my ruling. That's what an offer of proof. I guess, Your Honor, I would expect to prove that, uh, that uh, you know, companies, big companies spend millions of dollars every year, you know, to get 5,000 widgets to your local Ace Hardware store, and they do it successfully. I'm not arguing. And, and, with, and so I'm not arguing the concept. I'm arguing that whether or not your offer of proof is going to show me that this is something that was touched on in cross. Understood, Your Honor. And I'll, I'll just move on to my last uh, my last point. Um, you you were part of the 2021 Arizona election audit, isn't that correct, Ms. Hunt? I was. And this is relevant to uh, Mr. LaRue's question to you about the Postal Service receipts. Do you recall that question? I do. And Mr. LaRue was telling you, well, those aren't really receipts, are they? Those are weights. Is that true? Uh, I I believe Mr. LaRue asked if it was possible that they were weight counts. Okay. And are weight counts a valid tool to count paper documents? Yes. Okay. Why is that? Scales are precise, and you can determine the weight of a single sheet of paper. You can determine the weight of a single ballot and then weigh it, and, you know, you're within – it's a pretty accurate uh, measurement. That's how they – that's what weigh counting is. Let me ask this question. Did – during the 2021 audit, did you and your crew weigh all of the ballots? Section runner relevance. I'm getting to my relevance. I give them some leeway. Go ahead. If you can answer it, ma'am, go ahead. Uh, we didn't weigh all of them, no. We weighed some uh, some boxes. Okay. Now, the boxes that you did weigh, was the weight count consistent with the other counts? Yes. How many counts did you do? Different counts? Uh, I I can't say. So, I mean, well, I think there was half, maybe? The machine count, right? Oh, 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 I'm sorry. I didn't understand your question. Yes. There was a hand count, a weigh count, a machine count, and in some cases, an audit count. And then there was a count of uh, ballot images as well. Ballot images, because you photographed each ballot. Correct. So you could count those images. And were they all consistent with a weight count? Yes. And so if the United States Postal Service or some other large company wants to bill their client for 50,000 pieces of mail, it's an effective way to do so by measuring the wage. Isn't that correct? If it's the same piece of mail type. Same mail type. All right. I have no further questions. Okay. Can we excuse the witness? I excuse the witness. Thank you. No objection, Your Honor. Ma'am, you're excused. Uh, you can-
next witness. Wait. I think we're okay. Your next witness would be? Our next witness is Bradley Benincorp, please. Sir, if you can just stand right there in front of my clerk, she will swear you in. Thank you, sir. If you'll make your way around to the witness stand, have a seat, please. Okay. Who's going to do this examination? I am, Your Honor. Whenever you're ready, Mr. Olson. Yes, Your Honor. Good afternoon, Mr. Bettencourt. Would you please state your full name for the record? Bradley David Bettencourt. And what is your occupation? Well, I generally work with real estate and uh, I have my own company and work with my dad. Did you have occasion to to be hired by Maricopa County for any elections? Yes, I decided to work as a T-Tech with them. They reached out, I had applied, and they reached out after. And when... uh, when did they reach out to you? Oh, a little over a month before the election. And you're referring to the 2022 general election or the primary? The uh, general election. Okay. And what is a T-Tech? Well, we would set up the sites beforehand and site watch on the days of polling. And in terms of setting up the sites beforehand, what kind of work were you doing? Well, we focused mainly on the site books the printers, and the MoFi, which is the, like a Wi-Fi, basically. Okay. And, and the site books are the, uh, the device that's used to check in a voter and, and have their ballot uh, directed towards whatever precinct in? Correct, yes. And did you have a case? Did you participate uh, in election prior to election day in any kind of fashion? I was working with them for about a month, approximately. And we set up sites beforehand, some of the early polling sites, and we also site watched early. And we actually created a T-Tech group, a text group to stay in touch while we were site watching. Uh, how was that group set up? Was it through your supervisor or? Yeah, it was through the supervisor. And who was that? That was Jose. Do you have a last name? Jose Luis Arbio. And is he a, an employee of Maricopa County? He's a permanent employee, yes. And what is his uh, function at Maricopa County? Well, he was basically our supervisor for the T-Tech. He had been a T-Tech previously as a temporary employee, and he wound up getting a permanent position. And how many uh, T-Techs were in this group that uh, that he set up? Well, there was him as the supervisor and then 15 T-Techs. And approximately uh, how many vote centers would be covered by these 15 T-Techs, of which I assume you were one of them? Correct. 
yes, I was a T-Tech. So on election day, if that's what you're referring to, we all started out at one location. Some of us stayed at that location the whole day and other ones moved around to multiple locations. If you actually look in one of the exhibits on the text messages, one person had well over 100 miles driving around to probably about five or six sites throughout the day. Do you have an estimate as to how many vote centers were covered by the 15 T-TECs approximately? I would say a minimum of 20 to 30. That's a bare minimum. Mm -hmm. And uh, at this point, uh, I would like to uh, bring up Exhibit 58, Your Honor. Go to the next page. And Exhibit 58 is a, uh, a series of about over 54 pages of text messages. Uh, do you recognize this document? Absolutely, yes. And what is it? It's the group text from that day, on the, the election day. And is this a, a group text chats from your phone? Yes, yes, sir. And did you provide a declaration in this case? Yes. And you swore under oath under the penalty of perjury to tell the truth, correct? Absolutely correct. And did you, in connection with this declaration, provide uh, screenshots of your text messages with the other T-Tex, the other 15 T-Tex that day? Yes, correct. Um, do you believe this to be, and you can scroll through some... And does this appear to be a true and accurate copy of your text messages? Yes, sir. Okay. It does. There are a lot of issues that came up throughout the day. And including at times they would, people, T-Tex would say that the ballots look pristine, but the tabulators aren't reading them. So that would really not have to do with the printers um, from our point of view. And, that wasn't just one person. There were others that said similar things. Uh, do these text messages represent communications that were happening as they were occurring on Election Day? Yes, yes, in real time, absolutely. Um, Your Honor, at this point, we'd like to move for Exhibit uh, uh, 58 to be entered into the, the record as evidence. It, it is hearsay, however, under present sense, present uh, impression and excited utterance. As you will see, some of them... For example, if uh, we could go to go to page base number three six seven, and at the bottom, you'll see, Your Honor, it says I'm being a nine one one. I would say that uh, you know, there are a number of, as you just can scroll through, these are would classify or qualify as. Either, either excited utterance or present sense impression, uh, certainly. Uh, uh, so we would we would move to have them admitted into the record under the, those exceptions, Your Honor. Any objections? Your Honor, um, Christina Ford on behalf of Christina Ford on behalf of the governor elect. We we do object to these coming in. Um, there are more than I believe fifty pages of these texts, and one one text out of fifty pages that 
potentially qualifies for an excited utterance um, doesn't make up for 50 pages of of text from this day of of otherwise out of court statements that they're trying to enter for the truth of the matter. Your Honor, I go ahead. Mr. I also uh, submitted them, sir, with the uh, under the present sense impression. These are real time messages, text messages that are being typed in as the events are unfolding. Mm-hmm. The day of election, and I believe it falls under that exception as well. Okay, I'm going to allow them because I think that what they represent is the, the correspondence back and forth between the texts who are working with their immediate impressions of trying to resolve the problems. So go ahead. <laughs> so what you're you're offering? What's the number again? That's uh, 58, Your Honor. 58. So I'll admit 58 over objection. Thank you, Your Honor. Go ahead. Mr. Bettencourt, can you describe what was going on with between you and your other T-Tex on Election Day? If you had to characterize it. Yeah, it was we consistently talking back and forth trying to solve the problems. And this group was really trying hard because there were a lot of issues that popped up. And uh, actually, our main fix uh, turned out to be to walk up to the printer, open up the printer, take out the ink cartridge, and shake it. So that was our main fix. That was the the big one we were tending to do. Um, I know the official county statement was that they changed the printer settings, but I'd say based on the text I saw, that was probably about 10 to 20% of the issue there. So that would I would say that'd be an incomplete description of the issues from my point of view, seeing the text. Did did the situation resolve very quickly or did it last throughout the day with the problems? It depended on the location. Some got better and some kept having issues. I mean, we had issues. I believe there was one even after closing time where they were asking someone to go over to Biltmore. I believe it is. You can confirm towards the end there. How would you care? Have you, how long have you? How old are you, sir? Thirty-four years old. And how long have you been in Arizona? Well, I've been off and on. I've actually lived in five states, but overall, a little over a decade. Thirty-four years old. And how long have you been in Arizona? Well, I've been off and on. I've actually lived in five states, but overall, a little over a decade in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And so you've been voting for how long? Well, I've been voting for. 16 years, and you know, in some different states, but mostly in Arizona during that time. How would you characterize the events on Election Day that, that you observed personally and also communicated with the fellow T-Techs that were servicing between 20 and 30 vote centers compared to elections, even they participated in as a voter? It felt a bit chaotic. I had people from the other places I've lived reaching out and saying, what's going on in Maricopa County? down there um so it felt a little chaotic i would say um were these problems that that continued throughout the day at many of these vote centers yeah and like i said we tried to shake the ink cartridge they clean the corona wire they would have the inspector call over a troubleshooter to try to clean the tabulator because um like i said a lot sometimes in there the the prints look good but the tabulator wasn't taking them anyway. Did you uh, hear of any long lines outside of the vote centers? 
Oh yeah, there were a lot of long long lines, and in there it actually describes. There's at least one in there that it describes, and I know of other locations where they completely wound it down for a certain amount of time, and they were basically sending people to other locations. How upset were voters that you interacted with or heard about? Well, they, I heard some people being very upset, uh, more so at other locations. We didn't have quite as many issues at our location, but it did shut down for about five to ten minutes at one point with both tabulators being down. And uh, that actually happened because one lady had put in a ballot, and I was standing there when I saw this. The tabulator took it through. It didn't reject it. It took it through, but it didn't have the green check mark or say that it had been successfully cast. So I hadn't seen that on anything else. So we called the inspector over, and she called the hotline, and they said she should open up the the blue bin where the tabulator is, pull out the ballots. They were going to count those downtown and then restart uh, basically from zero, restart counting the ballots that go into that tabulator from that point on. Did the uh, the problems with the tabulators, did they, uh, in your opinion, uh, create the, the long lines and that, that, that you heard from different T-Techs? I would say it made it worse because we had lines to begin the day. And once those tabulator issues started happening, you know, the lines backed up more. And were there lines outside of the voting center? Oh, yeah. I mean, at our place, there there was a line outside the door all day. And, you know, we had less problems than a lot of other places. And and do you understand the check-in process? That's more the polling worker side of it, the site book area. That's more the, the poll worker responsible for that. I wasn't responsible for that part of it. Okay. Did you hear about uh, long lines extending past eight o'clock at night? Yes. It's, it's in the texts. Um, I know at least one or two places. And then I know someone who wasn't in this group because this was the East Valley group and there was a West Valley group as well. So I know someone in the West Valley, he didn't get home like I, I left my site at about 10 and we had had a short line, you know, at the end of the night, uh, probably wrapped up about 8 p.m. And then this other guy from the West group had left about 1030, 1045. And I know there were was at least one or two people in this group that left later than me. Do you know, do you, uh, know whether or not any people who were waiting in line just simply gave up? waiting in line or or saw things on the news and decided that they just didn't have the time to come out and vote? Objection, Your Honor, speculation, foundation. He can answer yes or no. He was asked, do you know? Sir, if you're able to, you can answer yes or no. I don't know that personally. As I said, my site had less problems than the others, so I can only speak for my site, and I don't have any knowledge of that specifically. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you, Mr. Betancourt. Cross mm-hmm. exam. Good afternoon, Mr. Bencourt. Good afternoon. We don't want that. I understand from your testimony and from your declaration in this case that you helped set up equipment in preparation for election day. 
Correct. You didn't intentionally cause uh, the tabulators to reject ballots, correct? No, actually, we weren't even specifically focused on the tabulators with our position. And you don't know of any other T-Techs who intentionally caused the Uh, they were temporary employees, so I don't know of any T-Techs that caused that issue, no. And you said here today that you were hired, along with your other T-Techs, to help resolve problems that were occurring at polling locations, correct? Yes, that was part of it, the setting up of sites, along with resolving problems when they arose. And then you were, in fact, deployed to help resolve these issues when they they did spike up, correct? Yes. Would you agree with me that sometimes tabulators cannot read a ballot uh, due to the way that the voter marks the ballot? Yes, and I, I actually wrote that in my declaration as well. That's part of it, but that wasn't the whole part, so I can specify. That was definitely not the whole part. There were some that looked very good, and the voters had marked them very well, and they weren't being read Okay, well, I wanted to go through some of those. Um, so I understand from your declaration that uh, you and your fellow T-Techs sometimes found that cleaning the corona wire and the printer would sometimes help fix the, fix the tabulator issue. Is that correct? Yes, and the corona wire, that was on the older printers. I actually had the newer Lexmarks at the location I was at, so that wasn't part of the location I was at. Okay, and the group also found that changing the toner or shaking the toner could sometimes make improvements to the tabulators? Yeah, shaking shaking the toner actually worked a decent amount. It wasn't perfect, but it helped at times. Okay. And then you all also found that letting the printer warm up could also improve the situation? We'd have to go back through the text and confirm that. I I don't recall that specifically, but there were a lot of texts in there, so I don't recall every text that we had. Okay. You have no personal knowledge as to whether the printing and tabulator errors to the outcome of the collection. Uh, sorry, the outcome of the election, correct? I don't see how there's any way I could prove that one way or the other. But you have no personal knowledge? I just said I can't prove anything one way or another with by myself. Okay. So you similarly do not have any personal knowledge of whether the printing errors were the result of an, an intentional scheme to undermine the election? Well, I was just a temporary employee doing what I was employed to do there. Okay, thank you. No further questions. Nothing further, Your Honor. Nothing further, Your Honor. Nothing further? Okay. Can we excuse the witness? Yes, Your Honor. Yes, Your Honor. You're free to go, Mr. Thank you. Um, okay. Okay.
problem. How are you doing? Okay. The next witness. Uh, Your Honor, we next call Mark Sonnenklar. Sonnenklar, if you could just come over in front of the clerk. You sworn in, sir. If you could just make your way over and have a seat at the witness stand, please. Go ahead, Mr. Olson. Good afternoon, Mr. Sonnenklar. Good afternoon. Would you please state your full name for the record? Mark Sonnenklar, S is in Sam, O-N-N-E-N-K-L-A-R. And what is your occupation, sir? I'm a lawyer. And how long have you been a lawyer? 26, almost 27 years. Did you have a, uh, an opportunity to well, strike that? How long have you lived in Arizona? Uh, moved back to Arizona about two years ago, a little more than two years ago. Um, I was here from age nine through 21. So I don't know, what, 13 years total. <clears throat> Did you have an opportunity to participate in the uh, 2022 election cycle? I did. And in what capacity did you participate in that cycle? I was a roving attorney in the Republican National Committee's election integrity program for the primary and the general election. And what does a roving attorney do? A roving attorney goes to um, the vote centers and um, just observes what is happening at the uh, at the vote centers to determine if, you know, uh, things are going well or not. Um, whether things are are working in accordance with law. And when did you first uh, act as a roving attorney? During the primary on August 2nd, 2022. And can you describe what you did as a roving attorney during the primary? Um, the process that I used, uh, which we were trained to use um, for both the primary and the general election was uh, to go to the vote center, um, ask, uh, talk to the inspector, go directly to the inspector of that vote center. Who is an inspector? The inspector is the, the lead, um, uh, person, uh, the lead poll worker at, um, a vote center. So. Are they employed by Maricopa County? Yes, I believe they are paid by Maricopa County. Is that a temporary position, or are they a full-time employee of Maricopa? They're that they're temporary. Okay. So, I would go to the vote center. I would ask for the inspector. Uh, I would ask the inspector if there was a Republican observer inside the vote center because there's not uh, by law we're not allowed to have more than two uh, observers from any one party within the vote center. Um, I would uh, ask to speak with the. Uh, Republican observer, if there was one outside, I would ask that Republican observer um, how things were going, you know, what he or she was seeing um, inside the vote center. I would take notes um, on on uh, what the the observer, uh, the Republican observer told me. I would then um, ask the Republican observer to stay, remain outside, and then I would go uh, back into the vote center and speak with the inspector, uh, and ask really the same questions that I had asked the Republican observer. How were, are things going? Um, if, if there were issues, I would ask more, more questions about those issues. And, um, 
to I was trying to determine whether you know what the Republican observer was uh, was uh, telling me was matching up with what the inspector was telling me. And I took notes uh, while I was talking with the inspectors as well. Did you create a report in connection after the election associated with that? Uh, and I'm talking about the primary. I did. Um, um, I, I had a, a sense that there was going to be litigation, and I knew that I had information that would be critical to that litigation. And so I reached out to – there were 17, 17 or 18 – I'm not clear exactly, but I, I believe there were 17 roving attorneys in the program – uh, with the RNC and, um, I reached out to all of them and asked them what their experience was. Um, and, uh, they reported to me and I created a report based on my own personal experience at 10 vote center, uh, uh, during the general election and, um, 105 other vote centers that the, uh, roving attorneys who responded to me, which I believe were uh, 10, I believe responded to me and were willing to, you know, tell me what, what had, what had occurred, what they had seen. Um, so the 11 of us put together, uh, observed at 115 vote centers. Um, how many vote centers did you personally, uh, visit? 10. 10. And what, and this is during the general election, correct? Yes. And what was your experience at, and what you personally saw at those 10, 10 vote centers? Well, it, it was really pandemonium out there, um, everywhere. I, I, I was within, uh, from Fountain Hills to North Scottsdale were where my vote centers were. I started out in Fountain Hills and immediately, I mean, there was a line, there was a line of 150 people at Fountain Hills. Um, the tabulators were not working. And, um, that was what I saw at, you know, I saw the same thing happening at, uh, six of my 10 vote centers. Um, there were different things happening at some of the other ones too, but six of them in particular were really bad. Um, yeah. And, and so you, you've been voting for a number of years, correct? Yeah. Uh, how would you characterize the events of, the 2022 general election compared to other elections that you witnessed? Oh, this was uh, a completely different animal here. Um, so I was a roving attorney at, uh, during the primary and there were, you know, some minimal problems there too, but the general election was a complete, completely different situation. Um, there were lines out the door, which did not, you did not see during the primary. Uh, at many of the vote centers, there were angry, um, and frustrated voters who did not want to put their ballots into box three. Um, and, um, there, you know, it, it was just, and, and, and then there were the poll workers who were extremely frustrated and really didn't know what to do. Most of them, I would say, were doing their best, you know, to, to figure out a solution to the fact that the tabulators were down, uh, were not reading the ballots. Um, everyone was just freaked out. That's a question for you. There's been some testimony earlier about wait times. Uh, do you have an understanding of how the county measures wait times? Yes, I understand that 
um, one of the poll workers is supposed to check the line every 15 minutes and report back to uh, MCTEC is my understanding. Um, it would have been difficult. I, I don't know where you're going with the question, but it would have been very difficult for the workers who were crazed trying to figure out just how to get the, the tabulators to read the ballots. Um, I can't imagine that, it, that, that there was time for any poll workers at the, at the worst vote centers anyway to, to actually go out and check the line. I think, I believe you mentioned that you visited personally about 10 vote centers. Yes. And that the other roving attorneys that, that you were working with, uh, it was a total of about 115 vote centers in total. Yes. And that's 115 out of about, I think, 223 vote centers, correct? That's correct. So that's a little over half of the vote centers. I believe it was 52%. How are you able to characterize, uh, what your other, uh, the other roving attorneys uh, were experiencing whether it was similar to what you were experiencing or worse or, 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 or maybe not as bad. How, how would you characterize? Well, I would say that most of the roving attorneys had a similar experience to mine. I, I, I can't think of, I can't think of one that had a different experience. There, there may be, but, um, but for the most part, you know, aggregated together, pretty much everyone had the same experience. And if, if uh, somebody were to characterize the events of that day, uh, as minor technical difficulties that should be expected in any any election, uh, what would you say to that? Uh, I would say that's nonsense. Um, when you have 132, uh, we've been able to document that there were uh, at least 132 vote centers um, with tabulator problems out of 227, which uh, comes out to about 59%. Um, I, I don't see how that could be characterized as a small matter. The um, you mentioned you created a report along with uh, the other uh, roving attorneys that you've worked with. Did you disseminate that report to anybody? I did send that report out. Um, yes, I did. Uh, do you believe that report is accurate in its recitation of the events of Monday? Absolutely. I was uh, very careful not to um, exaggerate, overstate. I was careful to be factual. And is that report based on sworn uh, your conversations plus sworn declarations from the other roving attorneys that were given to you? Yes, it is. And um, if you would call up Exhibit 52... What's going on? I'll tell them it's not an exhibit. No, she's she has the questions right away. Is there a problem? I'm being told that the person over here needs to do it. It's up on our screen here, Your Honor. It's, it's the podium, actually, is what you want to bring up. Very good. Very good. 
Back over the, can you go to the top? And Mr. Sonnenclair, is this a uh, for Maricopa County? I, I would object to this document to the extent that it's duplicative of this witness's testimony just provided in this court and to the extent that it is intended to um, be admitted for the truth of the matter asserted for persons he's talked to, it would be hearsay. Uh, Your Honor, we have uh, submitted this uh report under Rule 807. It is one of the uh, documents that we gave notice to. And I would say that the uh, Your Honor can judge the, the value of the weight, but given, as the witness has testified to, we're talking of about 105 vote centers. And so to that his, he and his other fellow roving attorneys gave sworn testimony about the occurrences there. It's, I think it should go to the weight, Your Honor. I think it would be probative. And given the limited time we have to, you know, talk about 105 vote centers, that we request, respectfully request your honor to admit it. Well, he's here to testify about what he saw and he observed. And so it's cumulative, cumulative as to that. I think this morning I told you that I was willing to admit under 807 the attached statements of the other roving attorneys. So you can choose. You can choose to either have those affidavits admitted under 807 or you can forego that and ask him questions about it and go with his report. But I'm not going to do both. John, just point of clarification. That's a prefer. That's him testifying, his report, and the affidavits that he's referring to in his testimony and his report. So I don't know if you understood this morning that I was willing to admit the affidavits attached to Mr. Sonnecler's affidavit under 807 provided that you could, because I've read them. Yes, Your Honor. And I believe that under 807, the same analysis applies to what I told you this morning, that they appeared to also be very um, factual as opposed to advocate uh, advocacy even though i believe that he's just said all of this was prepared as in, in anticipation of litigation but the affidavits are sworn to and contain facts rather than advocacy and opinions so after all my speaking your choice how you wish to proceed mr olson but i'm not going to do both i'm not going to put in all those affidavits and have him talk about everything in his report and all the hearsay I think I know where I'm going, sir. We will uh, forego. Uh, we will keep them into evidence, as Your Honor alluded to, and we will move on to another topic. Okay. Very good, sir. Can you pull up? Your Honor, at this time, we'd like to uh, open up Exhibit 91.
Yes. Ninety one. Mr. Sonaclair, up on the screen is what has been marked for identification is Exhibit 91. It is uh, an exhibit that was part of a response letter by Maricopa County to the uh, AG, AG's letter dated November 19th, uh, questioning some of the events around Election Day. Have, have you ever seen this document before? Yes, I've read it multiple times. And do you recognize this as a document that was produced by Maricopa County? Yes. Do you have any reason to doubt that it's a true and accurate copy? No. Okay. Your Honor, at this time, we would uh, move to admit Exhibit 91 into evidence. No objection, Your Honor. 91 is admitted. I think it's a self-authenticating document. Making sure. Yes, Your Honor. Mr. Sonnenclair. Do you see where it states on the first page of this document in the paragraph beginning while a few, you see that? While a few 2022 general election locations encountered 80 to 115 minute wait times on election day, Maricopa County posted these wait times on our website informing voters of other nearby options that had shorter times? Yes, I see it. Uh, do you have an understanding uh, based on your uh, work, whether or not that's an accurate statement? Uh, that's not an accurate statement. And why do you say that? There were many more vote centers. I mean, I, I, I must have had, I, I believe I had two at least just in my 10 that had longer wait times than 80 minutes. Um, and they're not included in the the list um, in footnote one. And you're talking about footnote one on the page that's uh, bait stamped last three digits, 715, the first page of this document. And in addition to that, um, you know, there were we documented through declarations that there were many, many other vote centers that had over 80 minute wait times. Do you have an opinion as to whether or not the county has been uh, trying to understate the extent of the problems at the vote centers that arose on Election Day? Yes, I do. Your Honor, object to foundation and speculation. Um, all right. Um, 
as to foundation, um, I'd overrule it. So if you're able to answer it, and I assume you're asking him based on his personal knowledge. Yes, yes John. If you're able to oh, answer it, Mr. Sondaclar. Thank you. Well, I mean, I, I was the one who oversaw the, um, the, you know, putting together of the issues spreadsheet, which showed how many vote centers had tabulator problems, how many vote centers had long lines. I've also read this, um, board of supervisors report multiple times, and there are many, many mischaracterizations, um, and flat out falsehoods in this now um i so yes i i believe that they have not presented the truth here in this document we have nothing further at this time sir cross exam please Good afternoon, Mr. Sonnenclair. I'm here on behalf of the governor-elect. Your declaration gives some figures about how many vote centers were affected with tabulator issues and lines. And these figures were gathered from reports of yourself, other RNC roving attorneys, and Republican observers, correct? That's correct. Your declaration in this case concludes that 64 of 223 vote centers had long lines on election day, correct? That's correct. So you concluded that more than 70% of vote centers on election day did not have long lines? Uh, you could infer that. But but actually, um, what I would say about that is that we had time constraints in putting together our issues spreadsheet. And so I firmly believe that had we had additional time, it, and basically it, we had to put it together in two weeks. So we had to gather declarations from a lot of people in order to prove what we wanted to prove, you know, it, in order for the evidence to show 64. We showed on the issues spreadsheet that 64 vote centers had long lines. Had we had more time, I firmly believe that we would have been able to show that more vote centers had long lines. The same declaration concluded that only 24 of 223 vote centers had long lines on election day after 3 p.m., correct? I would say the same thing. Had we had more time to gather the evidence, we probably would have been able to find that more than 24. But what we were able to document in the time period that we had was that 24 which in my view is a lot of vote centers to have problems after 3 p.m. given the fact that the Board of Supervisors stated that the problem was completely resolved as of mid-afternoon, quote-unquote, according to the Board of Supervisors report that was it was just uh, brought into evidence. But the evidence that you put forward in your declaration was that only 24 of 223 had long lines after 3 p.m., correct? That's all I was able to conclude in the time that I had to put together the issues spreadsheet. Any voter in Maricopa County may go to any vote center they wish, correct? That's my understanding. 
You did not personally witness any voter who left a vote center without casting a ballot after encountering a tabulator rejection, correct? I wasn't looking for that. So here today, you can't tell me that you witnessed that? I can't, but a lot of the declarations do indicate that that did occur over and over. You have no personal knowledge as to whether these printing errors changed the outcome of the election, correct? Objection, Your Honor. Foundation. Your Honor, I'm just asking whether he knows. His knowledge, it's the same thing. If you know, sir, and you're able to answer, well, go ahead. I, I would say, you know, there's there's only 17,000 roughly votes separating the two candidates for governor. Based on what I saw uh, on Election Day, I would say there's no question in my mind that had there not been tabulator issues at 132 vote centers, this election would have result would have ended up with Carrie Lake winning. Well, that that's an inference you're making, correct? You you just you asked me for my opinion, and I gave it. I didn't ask for your opinion. I asked if you had personal knowledge. Uh, I don't have knowledge of specific numbers. No. Okay. No further questions. Thank you. Mr. Sonnenclair, you testified that the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors, in drafting its correspondence to Jennifer Wright at the Attorney General's office, intended to deceive her. Is that correct? I don't see how you could. Is that correct? I don't see how you could view what happened on election day and issue that report in good faith. Do you have any evidence that the authors of that wrote that report with an intent to deceive? It's just common sense, sir. Is that a yes or a no? Common sense tells you that if they issued that report and they, you know, they are the ones in charge of the election, then, and so many things in that report were false that, yeah, they were trying to cover up. So that's what common sense tells me. Is that your testimony? Yeah, common sense tells me that there was a cover up here. Okay, that tells you, but not me. As you earlier testified. I, I don't know what's in your mind, sir. But you do know what's in the mind of the five members of the Board of Supervisors. All I can say is that I have I believe that they were trying to cover up here because I don't see how else you could explain the Board of Supervisor report. It was blatantly false in so many ways. But you have no evidence of that, correct? Oh, no, I have a lot of evidence. Evidence of their intent to deceive the attorney general's office. My conclusion is that there is an intent to deceive. Okay, so your testimony today is you can't read my mind, but you can read the mind of the members of the Board of Supervisors. Is that correct? I don't see how else you could interpret the statement on the Board of Supervisor report other than to conclude that there was an intent to minimize the problems on Election Day because they probably knew they were going to be in this courtroom today. 
Well, it's interesting that you've just responded to my query by saying problems, plural, because when you initially testified, you said problems, singular. And your testimony was about problems related to tabulators. Do you remember that testimony? Do you mean in my declaration? No, I mean in your testimony right here in this courtroom a few minutes ago. Yes, I recall my testimony. Okay. And you recall that you had witnessed at least two vote centers, and you've heard of a lot of others that had problems with tabulators. No, there were six vote centers out of ten in my that I that I observed at that had material tabulator problems. Okay. Did any of them have printer problems? Yeah, I, you know, my my understanding is that the printers were not printing dark enough. That is one theory, anyway. Is that your understanding from your direct observation? Yes. So you were able to observe the printers putting in not enough ink in some of the ballots. So um, my declaration sets this out um, at one of the vote centers that I went to. I spoke with the inspector. They had a massive problem with the tabulator not working. Okay, thank you. You've already testified about your conversation with the inspector. I heard that, and I thank you for no, that. No, may I but my question, answer your question? Yes, please. My question was your observation. This is of the pro- Excuse me. Your observation with the problems with the printers, not what you heard from inspectors. Can you answer that? My observation was in relation to a conversation I had with the inspector. So that would be you heard it from somebody else who observed it. But I'm, I'm not a technical person. I don't know exactly what caused the problem. Okay. But an inspector showed me the ballots. Okay. So you don't know what caused the problem, right? But you know that whatever the Board of Supervisors said was intended to deceive the Attorney General, even though you don't know, correct? I don't see what one thing has to do with the other. Then there's a problem as well. How about wet pens, wet pens that might cause problems with the tabulators? Did you observe any of that? Uh, No, I didn't note that at all. No. So um, you had testified earlier that you have voted several times in Arizona, but you've never seen lines like the lines you saw in the general election of 2022. Is that correct? That is correct. Did you vote in a presidential preference of 2016? No, I wasn't here in 2016. Would it surprise you to find out that in many instances all over this country, there have been lines far longer than those to which you just testified to? I would be surprised by that, yeah. Okay, thank you. No further questions. And I just have a brief question on redirect. It's your favorite word. Go ahead. <laughs> Mr. Sonnenclair, would it surprise you if people in Maricopa County, voters in Maricopa County, heard about the problems at all the vote centers and simply didn't get into line to vote because they didn't have time? Protection, Your Honor, Speculation Foundation. Beyond scope. Beyond the stain. Do you have a belief as to, and it's a yes or no question, do you have a belief as to whether or not voters on election day strike that? Do you have a belief that there are there were voters on election day that 
were not able to cast their vote and wanted to. Same objections, Your Honor. Sustained. Uh, Your Honor, I have no further questions. I do have a housekeeping measure. I just wanted to make sure um, with our 807, I just want to make a point of clarification. We had uh, a, a, a summary exhibit, two summary exhibits that were attached to his declaration and that we are moving those. Uh, I want to make sure that that was part of the evidence that Your Honor was. Are you planning to rest? Pardon are me? you planning to rest now? Okay. Can we excuse this gentleman? Yes. Thank you, Mr. Sonicler. Your excuse, sir. Yes. Okay. Um, you should take a moment. Can you hang with me for a little bit? Okay. I'm pushing my court reporter beyond what I should. Um, what I'm hearing is, is plaintiffs are willing to rest with the exception of addressing the exhibit issue. You want, I understand you need to address the issue before you rest. Um, we're not resting our case, Your Honor. I still have a, a couple more witnesses to do. Okay. So I wasn't resting on that. Okay. Do you have, do both sides have worked out the exhibit numbers that would apply to my ruling this morning? No? Tell them about the box. Okay. I don't think we've talked so much. I don't, here's what I don't, I can't do at the end of this day. I can't put my court reporter through another hour of us going back and forth about whether a certain exhibit fits within my ruling or not. This is probably a poor question. In fact, I won't ask it. I'm going, I'm going to restate what I told you this morning. I said that the 807 ruling was extended to admitting whatever exhibits are associated with the following exhibits or attachments to the affidavit that you filed, Mr. Olson. Um, exhibit six, Exhibit 7, Exhibit 8, 9 and 10 have already been admitted today. And that takes care of all the attachments to the affidavit that was filed by Mr. Olson. There's a more extensive list constituting what plaintiffs have labeled Exhibits A1 through A220 that were attached to, I believe, Mr. Sonneclair's after affidavit. And... I don't have before me the corresponding exhibit numbers for the exhibits that would have been the other 
attorney poll workers that were submitted, but those were included in that. So here's what I want you to do is I want you to get together, caucus, come up with an agreed list of what those numbers are. I've already basically told you what the ruling is. I just need you to make sure we've got clear which exhibits are coming in, okay? So I can spare my clerk or my court reporter all that back and forth. I need that by the morning, okay? Yes, Your Honor. Yes, Your Honor. Okay. I haven't, I've been keeping track of the time. Well, I haven't got a grand total. Um, somebody else keeping track closely. The court wants it. Do you know where you are with regard to time? I don't have, I, we have somebody tracking, Your Honor, for us, but I don't. Okay. How many more witnesses do you have, Mr. Olson? <laughs> Your Honor, I believe it's just one. Which would Richard be? Barris. That's going to take a while. It's anything like Mr. Parikh, you know, which is your other expert. Uh, your Honor, I, I don't think it will take as long as Mr. Parikh. Famous last words. But, I'm uh, smiling again because we're down to the brief and I've only got a few things, Your Honor. <laughs> Uh, Your Honor, if I may, our, our records indicate the plaintiff has consumed 272 minutes, 22 seconds, and defense together has consumed 87 minutes, 27 seconds. Your Honor, I'll have to check with our person. Okay. If I take his total, that puts you at four and a half hours. Yes, Your Honor. Okay. So you'd still have another hour with Mr. Barris, right? What about your case, Mr. – well, all three of you. What do you think about how many witnesses are you thinking about calling? And We have, we have four witnesses that we intend to call we put on our case in chief tomorrow part of my problem is is that if you spend all your time then there's nothing left for cross-examination i'm aware of that your honor okay it's it's a strategy call so so you've got four witnesses how much time do you think again i'm skating fast on thin ice talking to lawyers about time estimates well, I will, of course, promise that we're going to be as efficient as possible. We'll use tonight to make sure we have estimates in our the, what we submitted to the court, and we'll go back and see if we can pare those down to make sure we're staying within time. Okay. That's fair. Um, yeah. Here's my, here's my concern, and even with – I know what I said about the time, but I'm concerned about closing arguments. Okay. Um, I do want to hear closing argument. Okay. Um, so I'm not saying that that means you got to go out and drag in more witnesses tomorrow to use up all your time. But um, we'll, we'll see how it goes tomorrow. 
I don't I know it's just estimates, but our estimate is that we'll come in below the time significantly. We probably only need another two and a half hours. Okay. All right. We'll reserve time for for closing. That'll probably put us though. Um, realistically, we're going to start at eight thirty. We're going to come back at one mid afternoon. I mean, that may be fuzzy math, but um, best guesstimate. So at that point in time, um, I do want you to prepare closings. Um, how much time do you think you would need to sum it all up? That's the both of I'm asking. Yeah, I think that we would not need any more than 15 minutes. I think we'd be more like 20, Your Honor. Well, okay. But they carry the burden. So I'm not going to hold you to the, you know, 15, 20. Um, if they have 20, you do, you do 15. If you want five rebuttal at the end, I'd give it to you. Thank you, Your Honor. Sound fair? Yes. Yes, Your Honor. Thank you. Okay. Well, the goal is to get all of that done by tomorrow. Then. Okay. So um, tonight you're going to put your heads together, come up with a list of exhibits for me by morning, um, get the exhibits straightened out. We'll do that as a matter of housekeeping first thing. And I think that's all I've got for you tonight. I can let you go. Is there anything absolutely essential before my court reporter collapses? I'm not saying anything, Your Honor. <laughs> Nothing for defendants, Your Honor. Thank you all. Thank you. I'll see you tomorrow morning at 8.30. All right. <laughs>
When it comes to stubborn belly fat, we're all searching for a miracle pill. Generally, you have to use multiple products that target belly fat differently to manage excess weight around the stomach. Some products may focus on abdominal exercises or dietary changes, while others might focus on boosting metabolism or controlling cravings. But believe it or not, I may have found a solution that removes the need for juggling through multiple weight management products. It's called Belly Trim, and it's more effective at targeting belly fat, enhancing metabolism, and promoting a toned midsection better than most weight management products I've seen typically found on store shelves. Tens of thousands of five-star reviews back up the notion that Belly Trim is not only a breakthrough in a bottle, but that it also removes the need for us to use countless diet pills and fat-burning supplements. But there's more. If you place your order for Belly Trim now, you'll also receive 51% off free VIP live health and fitness coaching for life, two free new e-books titled Top 10 Foods That Burn Belly Fat, and Top 10 Exercises to Reduce Belly Fat, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee, and last but not least, free shipping. Simply go to www.trimwithus.com. That's www.trimwithus.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's www.trimwithus.com. Order now. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. Talk to enough people, and you'll soon realize nearly everyone's shocked at their recent electricity bills. Some studies reveal energy costs have skyrocketed by as high as 60% in as little as two years. That's why tens of thousands are installing this magical little device from SavePowerBills.com to help slash their energy bills. This sophisticated gadget stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your appliances and electronics. Simply plug it into your home wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this device is one of the most efficient ways to save money while beating the greedy power companies. But there's more. If you order now, you'll also receive 65% off, fast shipping within the USA, hassle-free returns, and last but not least, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee. Just go to SavePowerBills.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's SavePowerBills.com. Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Just recently, a politician was carjacked by three armed attackers outside his home in Washington, D.C. This comes several months after another politician was assaulted in the elevator of her building. Between mass shootings, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjackings, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare Flashlight. The Fighter Flare Flashlight has awed people with a wonderful design and massive light output. On top of an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, it boasts powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass-breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope cutter, siren, and much more. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this flashlight is the latest and greatest in the EDC market. But there's more. If you place your order for the Fighter Flare flashlight now, you'll also receive 66% off, free express shipping, and last but not least, a 100% lifetime guaranteed replacement. Simply go to www.fighterflare.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. www.fighterflare.com. Order now.